form. I can already hear the chorus of execration. How dare I say such a horrible thing? How dare I stir up trouble and inflame feelings by repeating such a conversation? My answer is that I do not have the right not to do so. This is the most deceptive, vicious world. It is vicious, it's full of lies, deceit, and deception. See, the Jews are all in the government. And we have got to get in those areas. We've got to get the man in charge of the control the Jewish. Monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. The future belongs to sovereign and independent nations. And now, coming to you from the realm of reason, this is The Fetch, and you are live, Inside the Eye. All right, everybody, from Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia, this is The Fetch, and you are live inside the eye. Today's date is Saturday, January the 20th, 2024, and a good morning to everyone up and down the Americas and on up into Canada, and a good late afternoon, early evening to everyone in European and West Asian time zones, and a good late Saturday to early Sunday morning to everyone in East Asian time zones, and of course, wherever you're listening out there on the World Wide Web. May all be well with you and yours. It's been another pleasant winter day here in Riyadh with daytime highs hitting just 72 degrees under partly cloudy skies and very, very light winds. Current temperature is sitting at 64 degrees at just after 7 in the evening local time. Winds are still very, very calm at 5 miles per hour out of the west and the overnight low is expected to get down to 51 degrees. And then after today, we're actually going to be going into a few days of warming from here. It's actually getting nicer, I guess, uh, up into the 80s, something by Tuesday. So anyways, it's uh, not such a cold winter by any stretch, <clears throat> at least not so far. I remember 2013, I came here, would go out into the desert with some of my colleagues well, they had a campground during the winter, and man, I would just freeze my you-know-what off. I was t- double, triple bundled up and still freezing. But now, hell, at 51 degrees, you, don't, you barely need a jacket. Anyways, as many of you are quite aware, it's been quite a cold uh, week, uh, weekend, really a week uh, in the Midwest, up into Canada, obviously over into the UK also. And what that's highlighted for everybody is just the worthlessness of this net zero carbon economy that they're trying to shove down everybody's throat. 
And of course, the electric vehicle market and the consumers who have taken up this product, they got a huge wake up call this week as to just how worthless their products that they drive truly are. Uh, in short, this hyper frigid weather highlighted what is very known reality. Electric vehicles that we're talking about, the standalone electric vehicles are really just generally expensive, worthless piles of rare precious metals, some software code and bits and pieces of glued together plastic and steel. But other than that, they're basically worthless pieces of crap, especially in the freezing temperatures. And this week we had quite a lot of expensive heaps of garbage out there in what someone in Chicago described as a lot full of dead robots. And that's because, of course, with the freezing weather, uh, these EV batteries just don't work. Apparently, I think they lose something like anywhere between 30 to 50 to 55 percent of their range once the once the temperature goes down i think the the volkswagen it goes something from like 235 down to 115 something like that once you hit below freezing so you know what can we say for that right um a lot of things were learned though about ev vehicles this week like you got to precondition these things did you know that to really get the optimal optimal battery charging can you imagine it's minus 20 degrees below zero right and the EV manufacturers are out there saying, well, you should precondition your car. Well, preconditioning means you got to drive around in the freezing temperature for 40 minutes just to get the, the battery temperature up before you go charge it. Like everybody's got 40 minutes of time to blow driving around in sub-freezing frigid weather with all the ice and everything else that's out there, all the other road hazards. And you got to precondition your battery. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is a brilliant idea. Of course, you could always skip that by just warming up your car at home, you know, charge it in, plug it in at home, and you can try to warm it up at home. See, that's a great thing. But of course, if you're already out on the road, out and about, uh, none of this really gets to apply to you. You just hope to get somewhere where you can charge it. And that was not the case in Chicago, on up into Canada, wherever you had charging stations in the Midwest. What you really had was just a bunch of heaping garbage sitting out there that couldn't move because they couldn't charge them and probably hasn't improved yet because temperatures haven't improved yet. So what does this show us about the net carbon thing? And here's the stupid thing about net carbon, okay? They always talk about net carbon, you know, zero carbon. Carbon is not a problem. CO2 is not a problem. CO2 is literally the the food for plants. So if you cut down CO2, you're not going to have any food for plants. You're not going to have any oxygen. The planet's going to die. So the the idea that you're pushing a net carbon neutral type of thing where you're going to reduce CO2, that is just one of the dumbest things that's out there. And yet you hear people talk about it. You hear politicians bringing it up. And it's like some of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And, you know, people need to start charging back and just hitting these people saying, look, enough of your stupidity, you freaking moron. We can't be basing our policies based on jackasses and clueless dimwits because it's kind of where we're at today right now consumer demand as you can imagine is just falling behind you know you had all these lofty projections you know people think they're going to jump into this ev carbon net carbon zero neutral carbon neutral type of economy and it was like going to dream even me i thought you know what i'd like to get an ev car back in the day i would have i would have used a hybrid though i wouldn't go full ev that's just insane but nonetheless a lot of us, you know, it's got some appeal to it. If it's marketed correctly, good marketing is good marketing, right? Well, what's happening now? Ford has announced just yesterday that it's cutting output of the battery-powered F-150. 
their Lightning, F-150 Lightning, and they're going to be making more Bronco SUVs and Ranger pickup trucks. The CEO of Stellantis, this is again this week, which owns Chrysler, Dodge, and Jeep, told reporters yesterday that the auto industry risked an EV bloodbath if a pricing war started by Tesla continues. Rental car giant Hertz said last week that it's now planning to sell 20,000 of its electric vehicles and buy more gas-powered rentals because... The electric vehicles are just pieces of crap. They're not worth it. Nobody wants to drive them. Nobody wants to get stranded on their vacation or business trip uh, trying to find some charger because, you know, Biden and the leftist loons running this net carbon zero nonsense are, are just trying to make a few extra bucks on the uh, on the grift here. GM, they have now stopped selling their Chevy Blazer EV which was actually a brand new model. And that happened just late last month because of charging issues, software issues, et cetera. So the big picture here, state governments, automakers, environmental activists, they're also struggling to push some type of idea to get people to start to buy into this carbon emission EV scam that they're pushing. That, according to the New York Times, Apparently, top 10% of drivers in the U.S. account for more than one-third of the nation's gasoline use, which is actually down uh, by a lot if you look at the EIA, EAIA statistics. Our, our gas consumption is way down uh, compared to where it was pre, pre-2007. And anyways, the tricky part here is, you know, you got all these people living in the rural areas, and as you know, if you're familiar with rural America, you know, it's hell, it's 10, 15 miles before you can even get to town sometimes. And you need to get out. You just can't be relying on some stupid high tech gimmick called an EV vehicle when you're just out there trying to survive, you know, out there in, uh, in the sticks, so to speak, you know, in the, in these rural areas. It's just not, it's just not smart. It's, a, it's actually a stupid thing, but here's, Here's how even dumber this whole process of net carbon zero gets. The UK has what they're saying called taking a historic step. Yeah, a historic step, right? Uh, they're going to put the UK on course to be the fastest G7 country to decarbonize cars and vans. Once again, decarbonizing is just a dumb, dimwit, stupid thing to say. If you're trying to eliminate carbon, carbon is food for your plants. CO2 is food for the plants. You're doing no good by reducing your carbon footprint. In reality, there might be other emissions that you could try to reduce, like lead in the air from, from let's say, leaded gasoline. That's what we did in Los Angeles back in the 1970s, actually going into the 80s because smog was so bad and it was caused by all the lead you were burning in your fuel. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to get rid of that. But to tell us about carbon all the time, again, all you're saying is you're just a dimwit moron that doesn't and understand basic biology. Well, they're going to, again, try to decarbonize everything, right? So following a consultation with the World Economic Forum, a.k.a. stakeholders, industry, and the wider public, it's not the wider public, the wider public has zero interest in going this way. There's going to be a two-phased approach. Step one, they're going to phase out new petrol and diesel cars and vans starting in 2030. Step two, they're going to see new cars and vans be fully zero emission at the tailpipe from 2035. Unless, oh, you can still buy some if you can show that some cars have a whatever a significant distance with zero emissions um, as part of their design. So basically the hybrids would be okay.
And what really is this? It's just communism. This is just government, one faction of a corporation, because remember, governments are just service corporations. So you've got a corporation out there really injecting themselves into the global economy, or at least this nation's economy, the UK, and they're picking winners or losers. They're not, they're not deeming this to be based on market-driven circumstances. They're just saying, all of you in the gas business are going to lose, and all of you over here on this side, on the electrical vehicle market, are going to win. And whenever you start to do that, you start to mess with the market, you're interrupting the market, you're, you're stifling innovation everywhere, you're allowing for corruption, because now people know that they're going to win no matter what, because the government, being a bunch of morons, are going to hand somebody a victory here without ever them having to earn it. And guess what? Now you're going to get a lot of corruption. You're going to get a lot of fraud. You're going to get a lot of inefficiencies in the market. You're going to end up with China too, where you're going to have rows and rows and rows. Let's say, uh, let's say not rows and rows, but let's say fields upon fields upon fields of cars that aren't going to be sold. And in the meantime, the public are going to be, are going to be suffering. And that's kind of where all of this nonsense is, is heading. So fortunately, places like Sweden, has actually done a very good job this past week. They've got a new, call it a right wing, but we'll just call it a traditionalist government. And what they have done is they have now stopped, literally stopped all of the uh, 2030 nonsense. Now, I was on a show, not really on a show. I was listening to a roundtable, UK Steve. I think it is. I should look it up on Twitter here. Let me just give it to you since I participated in it. Let me give it to you. Not Ukraine Watch. Uh, UK, 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 UK. Let me, let me do a search here in case you guys want to chime in. UK Steve Table Talk. It's, it airs, I think, 7 o'clock on Telegram. UK Steve Table Talk is what you can look for. I believe that's where it is. And uh, he holds a... Table talk, basically a little gathering of people. Uh, they go for, I think, two hours, maybe three on Wednesday. So when I have time and I'm around, I sometimes will participate in that. And uh, we were talking about this uh, whole issue about, um, for instance, uh, a Saudi and their Vision 2030 and how Vision 2030 here in Saudi is basically the exact opposite of the World Economic Forum and what the United Nations is trying to get accomplished here. And and the same thing is really holding true for what is happening now in Sweden, because what the Swedes are doing is they're actually dropping everything relative to 2030. They're dropping the entire thing. So they're scrapping literally their entire Agenda 2030 goals. That's, again, that's a good thing. So while the UK, which is run by a bunch of technocratic idiots, frankly, I mean, Rishi Sunak has got to be one of the dumbest dimwits out there. And he's running a country. You got Sadiq Khan. Again, none of these guys are British. They have nothing to do with Great Britain. They have nothing to do with the British people. They are literally invaders in a very real way relative to the country. Uh, they don't look out for what is Britain first. They look out for their banking interests first, for their their ethnic interests first. These guys are kind of like traitors in, in a very real way to the British people. But it is what it is, right, for now. But anyways, uh, they've replaced the government over in Sweden. They're scrapping again their agenda 2030s. Uh, this is actually pretty huge when you look about it, of course, because along with agenda 2030 comes the CBDCs and the digital controls and all that nonsense that they're trying to do. You know what they did in Sweden? They dropped like these climate change taxes, like on diesel fuel. 
And prices fell from like 28 Swedish krona to 17 Swedish krona, like almost overnight, uh, which is a huge decrease, as you can imagine. So, again, they reached as high as 28 krona. I think it's called krona per liter in 2022. And they dropped as much as 39% once they got rid of all of the taxes that were being associated with quote unquote climate change, net carbon zero, uh, carbon zero, whatever you want to call this nonsense, or net zero emissions, et cetera. So good for Sweden. Hopefully they will keep this up and continue to move forward over in Sweden. That would all be very, very, very good. All right, so I want to say good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome. It's uh, Saturday again, uh, January 20th, 2024. This is The Fetch Inside the Eye Live, intelligent media for the politically aware, uh, right here on Speak Free Radio at speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. If you want to get back on the back end, the phone lines are open at 323-275-1314. That's 323-275-1314. And what else? Uh, chat room. I'm not there yet. I'm actually going to head over to the chat room now. And you can find the chat room at insidetheilive.com. And you could just go there. I'm going to do that. I'll do the real thing here. And then you click on the live chat button, which is the only thing up there on the menu bar. But you can't miss it. It's the only thing there. And uh, let's see how we're doing. Let's see how we're doing there. So we have a whopping, a whopping, let me set my name, uh, trying to connect via the new port. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Trying to connect via the new port. So maybe it's closed today, guys. Uh, Click to connect. Yes, I got connected. Okay, very small today. We're barely humming along. Uh, barely, barely humming. Actually, we're not even humming along right now. So it's very quiet there today. Maybe the weather's got everybody out and about. I'm not sure, but it's very, very quiet there today. So if you want to join people there again, it's um, inside the ilive.com forward slash live dash chat. So it's very quiet. Well, actually, it's quiet. I've seen it since I think we came to Speak Free Radio, guys. All right. So anyways, those are your three ways to interact with the show here, and we'll just kind of move along. You know, 2024 is going to be a rather interesting year. And one of the reasons why is I think, I think, or I really know, I kind of know, Ukraine as a nation may cease to exist. That's one of the real revelations coming out of 2024. Ukraine as a nation may actually cease to exist. This is kind of brought out, and it makes sense. You know, I was saying this kind of myself back in the summer. Look, the the more you make it difficult for the Russians, the higher the price is going to be. And if you continue to make it completely to where it's zero-sum game, then zero-sum game it is, and Ukraine ceases to exist. It's going to be that simple. And that's what the West is doing. That's what the U.S., the Jewish people running the – yeah, that's another thing about Ukraine that nobody wants to talk about everybody. They talk about the nationalists. They talk about the banderistas and all of that crap. Nobody's talking about the fact that this is a Jewish regime running Ukraine right now. It is a Jewish regime running the state of Ukraine. This isn't necessarily, there's, there's Ukrainian people in there, some banderistas and things of that nature. But when you look at the power structure, it's a Jewish regime. No one's talking about that. And do you think Jewish people really care if they burn half a million Ukrainian lives? 
Well, if you think they do care, why don't you go down and look at what's going on in Gaza? Same Jewish tribe, look what they're doing over in Gaza. So Dmitry Medvedev, he, of course, was former prime minister. He's now like the chairman of the Russian defense industry, something to that effect. He's a Russian. He's a security council chairman is what he is. Technically, is his name. He went to Telegram this past week on Wednesday, and he argued essentially that Ukraine should not exist in any form. And I actually agree with him. Ukraine should not exist in any form. In what he was really entitled a, a mini essay, it was titled Why Ukraine is Dangerous for Its Residents. He argued that from now on, any independent state that lies on historical Russian territories will serve as a pretext for renewed hostilities for as long as it exists. By no means am I only referring to the current state, the Bandrite political regime. I'm talking about any version of Ukraine whatsoever. And he's calling Ukraine a cancerous growth, a something that the... Uh, Former Russian president insisted uh, that the war, that the country will be illegitimate from a legal perspective, no matter who its leader is. You know, it was basically carved out of uh, Russia. And in many respects, you got to understand Russia the way this is. You know, look at the United States today and imagine with all this immigration, add in 15, 20 years of Jewish program, and you get all these uppity Mexicans down there saying that, um, it's time to get rid of all of the white Texans in Texas, that they are, you know, not ethnically pure enough to be in Texas. And all of these uppity Mexicans down in Mexico decide they're going to secede. They are given their own semi-country, and then they say, you know, it's not enough. We need to take all of Texas. We need to return Texas back to where it was in 1826, because that's traditionally where it was, and it was stolen land from us. And do you really think that the United States government is going to stand by and say, it's okay, all you uppity Mexicans, go ahead and take the rest of Texas, and we don't care how much how much you murder the rest of the Texans there. Go ahead and murder as many as you want. Now, our government may actually not care. Our government may not care. But the people are certainly going to raise a huge issue if you, if somebody tried to do that. I'm sure the United States people would be up in arms. Same would hold true, let's say, if it happened down in Southern California. It's not like, uh, it's not like, you know, Californians just want to give up California to a bunch of uppity Mexicans from Mexico, right? And that's kind of what Ukraine is today. You got about a, a lot of these uppity Ukrainians. They were given a lot of power from the U.S. State Department, add in 15, 20 years of programming, literally indoctrination, propaganda, yada, 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 about Bandera and the, the pureness of the Ukrainian people. And, and really, this is just a Western Ukrainian, Galician, Catholic Galician uh, construction here. It has nothing to do with the rest of Ukraine, frankly. Nobody really cares about this crap in the rest of Ukraine other than just leave us alone. So what Dmitry Medvedev is really saying is that, again, and at all, it's just that, you know, the only reason for Ukraine to exist is, you know, to be anti-Russian. Because otherwise, since it's basically Russian, um, the only way it can excuse itself as an existing uh, 
project is to be anti-Russian. So if you're anti-Russian, you're always going to invite conflict. And if you're going to always invite conflict, you're going to invite some times like what you have now, which is a civil war. And it's very dangerous for the Ukrainian people to have this type of circumstance hanging over their heads all the time. So it's about time that we stop this nonsense, this fake country called Ukraine, and we put an end to it. And frankly, that's where it's going to go. It is going to go there. Uh, Ukraine is going to cease to exist. That's my take on it. Maybe you'll have Western Galicia, you'll have Western Ukraine left. But even it, with those territories left, you know, Putin's already said, hey, look, Poland, you know, if you want to come in and take what's yours, take what's yours. Hungary, if you want to come in and take what's yours, take what's yours. Um, Romania, if you want to get some of your traditional lands back that uh, Stalin took from you, well, we're not going to stop you. We are not looking to be in your part of Ukraine, but we will take what is Russian, which would mean the entire Black Sea is going to be Russian. You're probably going to go all the way into Kiev is going to be Russian. All that's going to be left is the east, the west, the far western parts of Ukraine. So that's one country that is fake that most likely will cease to exist. And with that, we'll get to the sixth country. All right, it's catch everybody inside the eye live. That's part of You're listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. Hello, I'm Jodie Kay, and I'm here to tell you about my debut album, The Acorn. The Acorn is a concept album with 14 tracks. It's an album of three parts. The first part is in honor and memory of those who have lost their lives or had their lives taken. The middle section honors traditional folklore. The second half is dedicated to us, to inspire us and to remind us of our duty to preserve our history and our culture so that we can pass this on to future generations. The album is available on CD and digital download from my website www.jodyk.com. What we do today will be I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people, and secondly, demoralize them. An educated, healthy, and confident nation is harder to govern. And I think there's an element in the thinking of some people. We don't want people to be educated, healthy, and confident because they would get out of control. <laughs> the top 1% of the world's population own 80% of the world's wealth. It's incredible that people put up with it. They're poor, they're demoralized, they're frightened. And therefore they think perhaps the safest thing to do is take orders and hope for the best.
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Patch Inside the Eye Live. Again, Speak Free Radio at speakfreeradio.com. And uh, what else? Um, uh, InsideTheEyeLive.com. And then go to live chat to chat along. Very quiet today. Let's run out to the phones uh, early, and which is okay for me today. <laughs> One zero. Um, eight one zero. Hang on there. Hi, welcome to Inside the Air Life. Hey, Patch James from uh, Michigan. Called in for a couple of reasons. One, uh, my best friend, a commercial electrician, doesn't work for the car company, but that's all he's been doing for a year and a half is converting all these car, these assembly lines to electric car companies, electric vehicles, right? And the funny story, he was told, I don't know how true this is, he was told by work on the line that all these cars were sold and shipped to Italy. I don't know how true that is. But shipped where? Uh, you broke up. You're breaking up a little bit. Shipped where? Uh, to the Middle East. That's what he was told. Oh. No one's buying them here in, in America. They're not shipping here. No way. Okay. Not in a, I, I guarantee not to Saudi. Maybe Jordan, but if it was Jordan, they would have to be taking like a 60% discount because that's the Jordanians. Uh, same with Iraq. So if they're doing that, they're taking a huge loss. Well, no one's buying them here in Michigan. Yeah. But um, can you hear me now? It seems like we're breaking up. Yeah, you are breaking up. I'm not breaking up, but you're breaking up. <laughs> so uh, maybe you just got a bad connection or something. Well, the reason I called in is, did you ever catch the the interview with Stu, Stu Peters and brother? Let's see if I got his Nathaniel, Nathaniel, yeah. Nathaniel, we just, yeah, I know who you're talking about. You know, I found that interesting. I know I didn't watch it. I, I, I do know about it, but I did find that interesting. It's like, you know. Brother Nathaniel has been within the within our what I consider our extended family of conspiracy theorists for a long time. He's kind of well thought of, uh, well quoted. And I'm like, wow, Stu Peters is going into our world now. Isn't that kind of interesting? So I didn't go check it out. I'm not. I don't need to hear what uh, Brother Nathaniel has to say per se because uh, you know we already have heard it many times before. You know times and times six and then in spades, something like that. So there's not usually much I can glean from what this guy says, but I did find it interesting he was on Stu Peters' show. Well, it's not what he said. It's what Stu Peters said because um, Stu Peters is about as mainstream alternative media he's get. And he was there sitting is. there. I thought it was talking. That's that's how profound it was. He was like going, he was pretty much agreeing, it is the Jews that run America. I mean, this guy was off the charts. I was like, whoa, I hope he doesn't die. He's killed, you know? And I just thought it fascinating. But one thing about Brother was talking about is that he kept, he kept saying that it's, don't say it's the Zionists, it's the Jews, you know? Get the Zionists out of it. Put the Jews in there. Strictly the Jews are running the whole show. But anyway, it's a, it's a fascinating, pretty lengthy hour and a half. Because he was on, Brother Nathan Anathal was on uh, 
Alex Jones, which I found very bad. <laughs> Alex Jones, so things are changing. People are waking up on this whole issue. Don't you agree? I do. I do. And I've always never changed my tone since the last, I don't know, since 2007, 2004. But I never changed. Even when I went right. live, even though I was encouraged to change Fetch, you'll be more popular if you just change. You'll get a bigger audience. You have talent, but you, you're not going to get promoted. You're going to be held back. It's like, I don't care, guys. I, I, I don't care. I have to do what's right because eventually, um, you're going to have to deal with it. You know what I mean? You're going to have to deal with it. Glossing over is not going to help us, and it never would. It never did back then either. You know, I, we're where we are today because people kept glossing it over for 100 years. I mean, it's not like this is new. I mean, health. Henry Ford was talking about it. This was an issue in the 1930s, issue in the 1940s. It's always been an issue, and it's our turn to deal with it as you know, owners and stakeholders of our country, you know, it's our country uh, per se, you know, you think of it that way. So it's our turn to deal with it and we have a problem. And so we have to deal with it. So my forecast for you is your platforms and start growing and blowing up beyond your imagination. That's my forecast. Well, it's just marketing. People just need to know about it. You know what I mean? If they know about it and hear it, it's like, you know, I know the, the message blows people away when they hear it because people tell me, wow, I, I had no idea, man. When I heard the wow, you know, they're just like, I didn't know someone like you was out there. But it's just marketing. Honestly, it's marketing. People just got to get the word out. So the day I see you on 60 Minutes, the day I'm going to have a huge party. <laughs> that would be something, huh? You've been doing this, and I'll be like 95 or something by then, but it'd still be pretty awesome. I don't think so. I think it's going to move a lot faster than that. But, uh, but yeah, the whole world's waking up. You know, Brother Nathal, he used to be on Jeff Rents, then Jeff dropped him a couple years, you know. Mm. And then he brought this one back in the last month, last few months. He decided maybe the message was, yeah, he decided the message wasn't so bad. After all, it's uh, come full circle. It's not time to ban it now. You, I, I don't know if you followed Jeff Rensler years ago, but he used to be um, really talking strong about the Jews 15, 16, and 17. I don't know if you're, cause I, I've been following him for, for a long time. And then I don't know if you know what happened to him. In April of 2017, they used a direct and tried to kill him. Did you know that? No. No, um, but uh, we've all been there, done that, Jim, literally. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I friends to show periodically. He, um, after that, that attack on him on Friday, at the end of April, all of a sudden, he's in talk as strong about the Jews often. He, they deliver a message to him, so they have their ways. Yeah. Yeah, well, as, there's a guy by the name of Mahmoud something, I don't know, Mahmoud O.D. He's a Palestinian, British Palestinian. I think he's both in Israel and Palestine and uh, U.K., uh, fairly interesting talent. He was on Kevin Barrett's show. I've invited him. I've got no response, but does a good presentation. Oh, wow. And, and he, uh, you know, he calls him, uh, he calls Israel a satanic death cult. 
He said the Jewish people, it's just one giant satanic death cult. They'll even kill their own people. They don't care. It's just a satanic death cult. They raise their people. They hate people. They kill people. To think they're superior to everyone. And I'm like, yeah, Judaism. You know, it's just Judaism. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. This is for young people out there looking for a career. These commercial electricians, they make $43 an hour, time and a half after 40 and double time on Sunday. And like I said, my buddies work seven days a week for the last six, seven. So it's pretty good money for not having to go to college. So I'm just saying. You know, actually <laughs> you know? the trades are very good. For people who are within our culture, the trades is probably a better bet than the colleges at this stage because you need the trades. You know, I pay for electricians. Right, you need them. I pay for them and, here in and, Saudi. And with electrician or plumbers, plumbers actually is supposed to make the most money. You can't replace them with AI. That's the important part. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So my son's 15, and uh, we're, he, we're going to get him into the electric, electrical work, electrician. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are electricians. They're, they make 60, 70, 80,000 a year easily. Plus, you can do your side jobs, you know, on the weekends. Right. And, uh, yeah, side hustles are always good. Yeah, for young people, don't the college thing is kind of worn out. It's it's too expensive to go to college, and uh, now get started. You, you own a home when you're 25 instead of having a thousand dollars debt, never owning a home with college. You know. But, all right, good hearing right. from you, and uh, keep up the work, my friend. All right, all right. Thanks for the call. Good Saturday. Okay, uh, going into that, uh, again, 323-275-1314. That's 1323-275-1314 if you'd like to get into the telephones there. Also, speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. That's speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. And that will get you into the studio that way. So enjoy. You know, either way you want to get into the chat room again, speak free. Uh, no, no, inside the ILive.com forward slash Live dash chat. All right. So we talked about Ukraine ceasing to exist. And that's now, I think, honestly, a foregone conclusion. I think for all intents and purposes, Ukraine is going to cease to exist. And it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people, which is what your Kazarian, if you want to use that term, your Kabad Lubavitch Jews who thought they were going to create their greater Israel from their old homeland, which was now the, or the current Ukraine. So in my case, I'm all for it. Russia, take back your traditional lands. Go for it. Uh, you know, my government's not going to be happy the fact that, gee, you're supporting the enemy. No, it's there. It's, I'm not supporting the enemy. They're not my enemy. What the, what the hell? They're, it's their lands. Let them take it back. You know, enough of this nonsense. Now stop sending the money and laundering it and start putting it back into, into the uh, growth of the United States. Not that we have any money left, right? Anyways, the other country I think that's going to cease to exist at the rate it's going is Israel. Israel has done something that we never thought would be so rapidly brought to the fore, which is just proving to people what a satanic death cult um, this Judaic religion truly is. What this Judaism truly is all about. I mean, it's a death cult. We've been saying that actually ourselves for quite some time. It's a death cult. Well, 
it's such an insane world over in Israel that the United States, but through Biden, but Biden, of course, is whatever. They're trying to tell Netanyahu, look, you got to start negotiations for a Palestinian state. And Netanyahu says, no, we reject it. In fact, uh, there was a New York Times article, and all I could see was the article because I don't want to go behind the paywall. It's like Netanyahu is turning on Biden. And I'm like, what the hell of a phrase is that? Netanyahu is turning on Biden. I mean, whether we like it or not, and we don't like it, Biden is the president, theoretically, of the United States. Not that Trump's going to be any better when it comes to Israel. He's going to be probably worse than Biden. But um, you would think that as the big, big dog, the United States, you would be telling this little piece of shit country, this little colony of terrorists, this colony of satanic devil-worshipping Christ-killing, whatever you want to call these people, these Jewish people, you would think that they would listen to the big dog, the United States, and not the other way around. But the headline says that it's Netanyahu's turning on Biden. Like, what an arrogant thing to kind of say, right? But you look at what, what Israel's doing. And frankly, I don't know about you, but they never had me. I'm, I'm suspecting they have never had you for quite some time, too. They're losing so many battles on the public relations front. Every time you turn around, they're so stupid. I, I find Jewish people stupid, guys. I mean, yes, they're intelligent. But when you sit there and you go on national TV and you say, we found, we went, searched this 12-year-old girl's home, and we found a picture of Hitler, and we found this Mein Kampf book, and he's holding up the Mein Kampf book. I'm like, are you really that freaking stupid? Well, I mean, you're the you're the president, the prime minister of the satanic death cult, the, the, the Judeus Judaic state. You're going to hold up a Mein Kampf to justify killing 23,000 people? Are you out of your mind? 23,000 people dead right now? Because they claim a massacre occurred on October the 7th, which is actually it never happened. It was actually all that massacre. I mean, you saw those lots and lots and lots of blown up cars. Hell, that wasn't, that wasn't Hamas, man. That was all done by the Israelis. Plain and simple. That's so obvious. It's kind of hard not to see it. You know what I mean? You have to try hard not to see that thing. Well, there you have it. You know, they're, they're actually trying to sell that. And we told you from day one, the first week, second week, they're just going to keep using this deception over and over and over again. Every time you read the first line in these in these.
I'm disagree with them. Killing you is a valid option to them. They're not, they, you're not allowed to disagree with a Jew. I understand that. You're not allowed. So 31,000 dead and missing now. They have confirmed out of 100 days 23,968 people who reached the hospice. So you're talking over 50,000 here. Wounded, injured, dead, missing. The population of the entire church is like 2 million. So you're talking something like 7.5%. Yes, like 7.5%. That's 10% actually. No, it's 2 million. It's like, yeah, it's about 5%. Call it 5%. But 5% of your population... They've killed 2% of the population. Jewish people are around 3,000 people. Or I'm sorry, 2% of the population of 2 million. And they want to talk about how, oh, we Jews in the Holocaust. 10,600 children. 10,600 The people in Israel say every one of those kids deserve to die because they're the reason why. Talk about a psychopathic nut. 7,200 of the dead are females. So therefore, young, I guess you could just say women. And I think there's something like twenty-three to thirty thousand now because it keeps climbing from dead. So two thirds of those are women and children. They don't allow any water in. Over four have some type of disease that is just becoming all of those deaths inside of the various camps after World War Two. Well, now you're seeing it happen in live in, in live time here. Basically suffering from various diseases now because you can't get any medicine in. Try now. You can lose a quarter million, quarter of your population in 200 days easily. That's the death cult that is Jewish state. That's what's on display every day in the news, every day on the radio, every day on the Jews have targeted the medical establishments there. 337 medical teams, people from medical teams died. 45 civil defense people have died. That's people trying to rescue people. Um, Journalists. Those are just mass. Those are just murders, folks. They're targeting journalists. They're murdering the journalists. That's a crime. How you cut it? They're conducting a massive crime. Does the U.S. do this? Yes, the U.S. government. You know the 
Rumsfeld and all the way out is the Jewish people because Jewish people are their ideologues. They follow Jewish ideology. They're just cowardly. Let's see. 7,000 people are still missing, of which 70% are children. We have, wow, 60,582 injured. You have 11,000 that are critically wounded in need of travel for treatment because there's basically nothing there in Gaza. There are 10,000 patients, uh, cancer patients now that basically have no, they have no medications or nothing to help them through whatever they're going through. One, four, wow, yeah, here it is, 400,000 in We've had 134 government buildings destroyed by the by by the Satek death cult. 95 schools people. 295 schools and universities are partially destroyed by the Jewish people. 150 mosques have been completely destroyed by Israel. 245 additional mosques are partially destroyed by Israel. 200, no, 70,000 residential units have been completely destroyed by the Jewish state. 90,000 residential units are still in a state, what you would say, partially destroyed and essentially 65,000 tons of explosives have been dropped on What's going on here, everybody? It's absolutely insane what the Israeli state is doing. It's absolutely insane. Targeted. 53 health centers are taken out of service. 30 hospitals have been taken out of service. 121 ambulances have been destroyed. There's only like two or three ambulances left in all of Gaza. Archaeological and heritage sites destroyed by the Israelis. Okay, that's basically we are a terrorist organization. Remember in Afghanistan, all these Buddha statues in the side of the mountain? You had all of these ISIS fighters breaking some of the statues in Palmyra inside of Syria. Remember those days? Well, look at the Jewish people. They're just as brutal. In fact, they're worse because they are backed by the United States, and the Jewish people that run this country, meaning the United States. And you think to yourself, how can all this happen? Well, the Israelis are not a signatory to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. We cannot, by law, give any aid to the Jewish state. Jewish Judaic death cult should not be getting one ounce of support from the United States at all because it's not a signatory to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. Straight up. It shouldn't happen. But there's more things going on. You have what's called the Lehi. Story. There's a law out there called the Lehi It's not scrolling fast enough. The Lehi Law. 
Literally, it's called the Leahy Law, and that was uh, formed or named after Patrick Leahy. If you remember Patrick Leahy, who used to be a senator at the, in the United States, he's since retired. So there's something called the Leahy Law, and what that does is that if any government or military unit or civil structure, like the police, is accused of war crimes or crimes against humanity or just human rights violations, all support for those units are to be cut off. That's known as the Leahy Law. So why aren't we following the Leahy Law? Another law we're not doing. Why? Because Jews run America. They created special rules to deal with the state of Israel that are not given to everybody else. They put in special words that, that make it sound like Israel is such an such a outstanding moral type of country that they can do their own investigations. In Israel, you need to get like some giant consensus before the Leahy Law would apply. But you're talking about the State Department, you're talking about human rights, the human rights um, I don't know what they call this bureau, I think it is, the Human Rights Bureau. There's another, it's like four different bureaus you need your support before you can actually sanction the Israelis. Then there's special wording for Israel that says Israel has 30 days within which to respond before anything would ever take effect. This doesn't happen in any other country. In every other country, there just has to be look. A staffer can go in and say, hey, look, this guy, they are doing human rights violations. It's plain as day. And uh, that guy can just file the report. And they are immediately put on a list until they are investigated and either cleared or it will stay. But not with Israel. It's a giant, long, stalling process that allows the Jewish state it allows various terrorist organizations like the Golani Brigade and all these other military units to continue to operate with impunity and commit any atrocity upon atrocity upon atrocity they want, and there's nothing that's being done about it. Yet we have a law, the Leahy Law, which should be put into play, put into effect immediately, and all support for these various terrorist organizations in Israel should be put to an immediate halt. It's the fetch inside the I live back. is a new talk show where we are exposing judicial postmodernism from the Supreme Court right down to family court and talking about all the different ways the extortion racket known as the justice system screws you over. Sure, you love freedom, but 
Do you love freedom enough? Join me, Alexander Baker, your legal expert, right here on Speak Free Radio, Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Freedom enough. First off, we ought to look at the word nation, because the word nation is oftentimes used as a synonym for country. That's not what the word means. Uh, There are people who take uh, an oath or pledge of allegiance, one nation under God. Not one country under God, one nation. I'll turn to Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition. It's the centennial edition of Black's, first published in 1891. This is a 1991 edition. The word nation. They rely upon Montoya versus United States, found at 180 U.S. 261, 21 Supreme Court Reporter at 358, or 45 Lawyers Edition, page 521. Quote, with regards to defining the word nation, a people or aggregation of men existing in the form of an organized general society, usually inhabiting a distinct portion of the earth, speaking the same language, well, I guess we've kind of lost out on that one, haven't we? Using the same customs, I think we failed there as well, possessing historic continuity and distinguished from other like groups by their racial origin, well, if you're white, you can't use that word, and characteristics, and generally, but not necessarily, living under the same government and sovereignty. You are listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. Welcome back. It's a fetch. Still popcorn time, guys. All right. A little cat report. Uh, my little gal, she's here. Ning Ning. Not sleeping. She just kind of woke up looking around. You big yawn. All right. Thank you for the big yawn. She's like chilling on the chair in front of my, my desk here. So um, probably wants to eat. I fed her, but she just doesn't like the food. She's very difficult. Anyways, hi, Ling Ning just woke up. All right, that's, 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 that's important news, everybody. That's the cat report. All right, uh, a second hour. I guess we're getting into the second hour here inside the uh, live speakfreeradio.com, speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. If you want to get into the show vis-a-vis, uh, vis-a-vis the, uh, uh, back end here. What's going on here? Let me check here. Okay. 
And then, uh, okay. Uh, okay, okay, cool. Anyways. Uh, anyways, let's see here. Um, speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. Let me go check and see if that's okay. And I have uh, somebody here. Uh, let's see. You want to get in? Um, no sound. Um, I guess not. They didn't tell me I was breaking up over this stuff. Maybe that's why it was harsh. Uh, uh, H, you want to get on the show? I have something in the chat room. Otherwise, I know you like listen because the sound actually is pretty good. The stream back in, I get big sound. So, uh, anyway, what else is news uh, that we wanted to go to? Is okay, I'll tell you in the day. I remember back in the day, I used to go. I lived in Jordan. You guys know you brought. You stay along the shoreline, and you can look out over the bay, the water there, and you can see this settlement, and that is the Israeli settlement called Eli. So you can see the Israelis, these, uh, I guess, mass murders. Nowadays, they're all mass murders, if you're going to take Jewish logic. They'd be out there cruising on their water skis, you know, their jet skis, cruising out, having a good time. recreational port, but it's also another uh, type of port. It's home to an oil terminal, and it's called the European Asian Pipeline, I believe, EAPL, European Asian Pipeline. It has a capacity of right around, I don't know, 400,000 barrels a day, something like that. It's really hard to get a feel for just how much they actually do. Hard to get accurate numbers. They're very secretive about what's going on over there. But back in March of 21, of 21, March, not March, May, May of uh, 21, May 12, Hamas actually targeted nuclear site, but they also targeted this uh, pipeline. They actually hit it back in 2021. And some people have put forward that, look, there's three things going on here. One is the pi- is the gas off the shore. I believe that's a, a definite given. Number two, they want to build this uh, shorter, uh, let's say, Suez Canal competitor. And the third is this pipeline, which I didn't even really know about. Uh, just got to keep you doing your research, right? So this pipeline, what they did after the Abrahamic Accords, now this pipeline has an interesting history. What happened was the Israelis were building this with the Shah of Iran back in this 1968 into the 70s. It was pretty much ready to go. And then we had the uh, uh, Khomeini, uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini took over in the revolution in 1979, which we all kind of know of as Americans. And you have this new Islamic Republic of Iran. Well, that had nothing to do with Israel at all. Nothing. But what Israel did is they severed ties and they nationalized the Iranian property. You know, Jews steal everything, right? So they stole the Iranian property. Iranians took them to court and the Israelis naturally lost because they just stole it. And they were ordered to pay the Iranians $1.5 billion as compensation for the the efforts to build that darn thing. The Israelis said, no, we're not going to pay it because that would violate our law of uh, 
of trading with the enemy. We're not allowed to trade with the enemy. If we give them a billion and a half dollars, we're going to be trading with the enemy. So we can't do that. So no, we're just going to steal it. Thank you very much. We love you, uh, Iranian people, for building this nice, beautiful pipeline. Well, kind of lays dormant. And then along comes uh, Donald Trump, and he sets up the Abrahamic Accords. What that was really meant to do was to increase, apparently, the amount of Middle Eastern investment in the various gas fields inside of the Mediterranean, but also to expand and start to use this oil pipeline to transit oil from the Middle East into Ascalon, where it would then be reloaded onto a ship or maybe even the same ship. If they were like carrying too much oil and they had to become lighter, you kind of like offload an an e-lot and your ship kind of lifts up because you got less oil. You can transit through the canal. You go to Ascalon, you reload it back on your ship and you go on your merry way. Well, there's two pipelines out there. One is called Sumed and that is the Suez Mediterranean Canal. It is run by a private quasi-private, probably, uh, Egyptian firm, 15% by Saudi Aramco, and another five, I don't know, 10, 15% somewhere else, something like that. But the Saudis, most of the oil that transits this pipeline is, uh, Sumed is from Saudi Arabia, most, the vast majority. It has a capacity of two and a half million barrels per day, which is actually pretty impressive. That's a good size uh, pipeline. So some people are speculating that part of this war is to shut down this pipeline, this uh, EAPL, the Euro-Asian pipeline, that the Israelis were trying to operate because after the Abrahamic Accords, the a deal was struck with the United Arab Emirates to actually start using that thing. Now, from what we understand, that deal has now been canceled. The, the Israelis say, well, we canceled it, but it's been canceled. And there's been a lot of problems inside of Israel regarding this because the Israelis as you know, are terrible when it comes to actually doing things, physically managing things, taking care of things. They're like the Africa of the world. You know what I mean? They, they, they just can't maintain anything of any value, especially if it has to do with infrastructure. So I think back, I don't know, 19, I don't know, 2018 or 16 or something. I don't know the exact year. There was an oil spill from this thing. And something like 600,000 barrels of oil were actually spilled into the desert. Well, people didn't even know that it was being operated all that much. So it's like, hey, what happened with this? You've got some very valuable coral reefs offside, outside of Elot and Jordan. And it's like a tourist attraction. People come in by the, by the tens of thousands per year and they go diving, you know, just to enjoy the Red Sea and to take in the sights of what the Red Sea offers in this part of the world. And there's a lot of concern that because the Israelis are freaking idiots, that they're going to just screw things up and you're going to end up with an ecological disaster. Now, you may think, oh, Fetch, come on. No, listen, the Israelis are freaking morons, okay? What the Jordanians did with the water supply is they put together a deal because Israel doesn't have enough water and Jordan had enough. They put together this deal where they would go back and forth. When Israel had surplus water, they would share the water with the, the uh, Jordanians and vice versa. Well, the, the Israelis, once they hooked into the Jordanian water grid, they corrupted the whole damn thing. 
Literally, they corrupted the water supply in Jordan. The Israelis are freaking idiots, guys. They're morons. They're like, oh, we're such smart people, and oh, look at us and our high technology. They're freaking idiots. When it comes to actually doing things and being responsible and doing what's right for people, they are the biggest group of morons you're ever going to find on the planet. They're the most uncivilized, idiotic people you're going to meet. Plain and simple. They're idiots. They will damage things. Oh, we're chosen. It's anti-Semitic to criticize this. It's like, just fix the damn things appropriately, you, you morons. So if you can imagine, all of Jordan's water supply is all screwed up because of the genius of Jews, you know, literally. So it's not out of the question that people are going to be concerned about these idiots causing an ecological disaster down in down in the red the, the Gulf of Aqaba. It's not it's not a stretch at all. In fact, it's it's a high probability. These people are that much stupid. But you know what's been happening is there's a a Suez economic zone and is being built in support of around the Sumed area, maybe building more storage tanks, things of this nature. Well, the Chinese have pumped $8 billion into this, $8.5 billion. Qatar has purportedly pumped in another $5 million. And this EAPL pipeline kind of gets in the way of the big investments going in the other direction. Now, it was rumored that if Saudi were to approve normalization of ties with the Israelis, that they were going to build a pipeline. We have lots of pipelines here in Saudi, by the way. But they were going to build another pipeline to connect with Elot. So the Saudis would have two pipelines. One is Sumed, the other would be Elot. And in this case, the Egyptians are like, okay, we're making $12 billion a year right now on transit traffic. If we have another four hundred to 600,000 barrels a day going through, that's transit we're not going to get. Maybe we're going to lose $2, 3000000000 billion a year. And uh, guess what? Now there's a business case to start cutting off ELOT as a port. Not only does it make sense under a responsibility to protect, which means to cut off and sanction the Israelis, which is exactly now as we move over to the Yemeni. The Yemeni people, they're tough. You know, they've had all the intel from the United States. You've had some of the best weapons delivered to the Saudis, and it's tragic what happened to the Yemeni people. No doubt about it. And in spite of it all, they're still strong. They still survive. They still exist. They're still on the offensive. They're able to shut down the shipping lanes. The Americans are there saying, oh, look at us, Operation Prosperity Garden. Whoopee, yeah, we're going to go bomb whatever we can find. The Americans know damn well they're not going to be able to shut down all of what's in Yemen. They know damn well Yemen is just too mountainous, too difficult to spot everything. It's not so easy. The Yemenis yesterday shot down a Reaper 9. I understand another Reaper 9 went down in Iraq. So what's happened now is that we have the case of now cutting off the oil supplies that might be going into Elot. We have cutting of the port traffic to Elot, which is something like down by over 70%. 
And and what they've said, <laughs> everything went silent here. I thought I lost everything. What they've said is that um, uh, they're saying, "Look, um, if if you're not going to Israel, you got a free pass. Don't worry. We're not going to. We're not going after every single ship. We're just going to be going after what you are doing relative to Israel." Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let me see. Uh, let me put uh, Mr. You want to come on UK, Steve? If so, put that in the chat room. It's kind of difficult to know who wants to get in the show here unless you put something. I'm going to bring on here because she's she's familiar with the area first. I'm going to put on, bring on first, always honest because she's always honest and sweet too. So hi, always honest. Welcome to Inside the Eye Live. What's your take on what's happening relative to what you know about the Middle East as far as uh and you have to unmute yourself. But as far as, um, okay, I'll unmute you. I think you'll have to unmute yourself. But as far as what's going on in Israel. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's really disturbing. Uh, I really feel like the Israeli government has taken the opportunity uh, to go in and take over the rest of Palestine. Really, I mean, if you just want to get down to you it, know, they want yeah. to take you know over the economy. About. Sorry. You know what's not talked about is what's going on in the West Bank. There are attacks well, every day, every day, arrests and attacks. I think, uh, you know, yesterday, nine Palestinians were killed, 17 arrested, something like that. People, it's like, you know, this has been a pretext, like you said, to just try to take over everything. Well, it's it's more than that. I watched, uh, I'm not sure if she is, she's some kind of an Israeli leader. Um, she works in some uh, organization that uh, moves set settlers into uh, into Israel. And she was back in 2019 talking about how they were going to be taking over Gaza, the West Bank, and pretty much everything else, and all of, it, all of Palestine, whatever was left of it, would become Israel. She was already uh, encouraging and, and bringing on... Um, people who are wanting to settle into these areas that they are going to take control of. Because keep in mind that the, the, the videos from 2019. So she's saying, well, of course, you know, something is going to happen that, you know, whether it's a, uh, whether it's famine or war or whatever it is, but, you know, you know, ultimately the people of the, the uh, Palestinians are going to have to go. So, you know, not only is it planned, um, and it, it's just, it's been planned as this 100-year plan. I think one of the things that bothers me the most about what's going on is the confusion of what Zionism is. You know, everybody wants you to think it's the Jews wanting to have their homeland and, and be able to have their own um, self-identity and, you know, be able to have their own government, their own military, and their own homeland. Actually, it's a political ideology for a one-world government. And they're putting out the other definition as opposed to the reality definition of the ideology that it actually it is, being that it's a political ideology. Zionism is a political ideology 
as for a one world government ran by Jews and controlled by Noahide laws. I mean, it's very, it's, it's very clear throughout history. Um, if you look at the protocols of Zion, they lay out exactly what's going on. And I was listening, I actually heard the brother Nathaniel um, interview with uh, Stu, they used to call him, right. they used to call yeah. him Jew, they used to call him Jew Peters, but they don't call him Jew Peters now because now he's flipped the other foot. So he's got going after them. And uh, Stu Peters kept trying to bring this, the Jew back to reality. And, you know, he was talking about the tunnels. Okay. And he kept saying, oh, the tunnels is a nothing burger. It's nothing. They just wanted fresh rainwater so they could wash. Okay. He not only is Shabbat Lubavitch, but that's where he was educated, trained, and still has connections into. So he's already covering for the tunnels that were found in New York. I don't think they're a nothing burger. I think that they're part of the whole pedophilic child sacrifice. Yeah, I, did. That I honestly did too. And that's why they're all covering for it, right? But what he said about Zionism and the protocols of Zion was even more important. He said that a Jew had to write that and that they've never called, they've called it a forgery and that a Jew had to write that because a Goyim could never know that stuff. And he, that the one time I felt he was truly being honest, but also bragging at the same time and putting the Goyim down at the same time. He's still a Jew, whether he claims to be a Christian or not this Jew-Christian uh, paradigm that they play with everybody. Everybody needs to drop that. This is not a spiritual war. This is a war of criminal murderers who want to control the whole freaking world under one government, and they all need to be sat down and controlled immediately before they start a freaking world war. Another one that completes the Pike uh, predictions for World War Three. You know, and then World War Four is going to be fought with sticks. I think we've actually lost. Uh oh. I think we lost. She disappeared. Oh no, you can't hear me anymore. When you went into what you were saying, you actually broke up. Ah. Uh, no, now I can't hear you. What you start? Yeah, they're 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 killing me for some reason. They don't want me to say what I'm saying. Like you're breaking <laughs> up uh, something to that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Why? Sometimes I swear. I think that they're they don't like some of the things that you were saying earlier about the statistical stuff that you were putting out there. That they don't want anybody to know about all the mosques and the historical sites and everything that's been destroyed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you, they're they're cutting me out. <laughs> Two hundred. Can you imagine? ISIS. ISIS. Yeah, I think so. So um. Any, yeah, you heard of them going on with the Netanyahu government? Yeah. Uh, you know, I really think that uh, they're not going to be able to control him. And if you listen to the general tone of the Israeli people, they are on his side, and they're actually angry that he's not more aggra- aggressive in taking over um, Palestine and Palestinian land. So, like I said, it's all a big plan. They're all in on it. And you can't separate Jewish and Zionism. It's just Jewish people. Um, You know, I I think at this point that the people that are living in the United States that claim to be Jewish, 
have to, have to put the religion down and become human beings and realize what's going on beyond the the show off stuff that they do on TV for the pro-Palestine baloney that they put out there, but they're not actually doing anything while the Israelis are over there going annihilate them. I don't know. Can you even still hear me? <laughs> oh, I've lost everybody. Yeah, tell me, you're fine and I'm the one that's breaking. Oh, so okay. You're breaking up for me and I'm breaking up for the audience, so go figure. Mm. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. What I what I can say is you know. that I just hope I hope that we still have some men with some balls in this country that stand up and do something, because you know I really think that that men in America and around the world have kind of had their balls clipped to a point where they don't protect their women anymore, and um, that's a big stain on society. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, a lot of people I, would I agree with I you. Don't, I'm not. I'm not trying to be some big. I'm not trying to be a badass. You know, I don't want to have to sure. yield a weapon to protect myself. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping my husband's going to do that, but I'm sure that there's a lot of women who who believe they can, and I believe that there are some that can. But the majority were were created to make babies and raise our children and raise strong men and strong women so that it can continue on and have all the different cultures and the uniqueness of all the lands and the cultures and the people of the world. That's all really important. And, you know, there is one little thing that I kind of wanted to mention, and that is uh, I'm really glad that uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Handsome Truth is out of jail. Um, and one of the things that he does is he really gets down on people who are uh, from interracial couples and um, some Arabs who are actually from Aryan descent uh, and other, he, he, he uses really nasty terms. And I just want to let him know if he listens, because I know he listens to these shows that, Everybody out there needs to know that we're not responsible for who birthed us. And once we're here, we really can't change that. And that our hearts become American and they, and they can become uh, patriotic as well. So you know, there's no point in trying to take people who are already here out. You should just uh, educate them and, you know, make them yeah, be part I, of the, the country. The racial purity. Yeah, this is the racial yeah, this is the racial parity stuff that, frankly, I, I, I know Chinese that are, I'd rather have them in my foxhole than a lot of people that claim to be quote unquote white Americans. Uh, there is a mindset mm -hmm. here, type of mentality. And he, a lot of these guys look at it just pure racial types of context. Um, no, I, I'm a, I look at it the Shogun mindset. You know, it's more of this, this, uh, a Shogun mindset. You know, you're fighting against this greater evil. To dedicate yourself to this fight for the betterment of not just you know your your society, your family, but the greater good, and that's something that the China, the Japanese call shogun, and and uh, we should recognize warriors wherever they are. I mean, you look at the the, the Japanese and the. They poorly by RGIs, but at the end of the day, they see Americans as shogun. They. Mm -hmm. 
It's not like they're going to try to, you know, make problems for the Americans just because they're white and American. No, they look at us with, with honor and respect because they see us as fellow shogun. And yes, we went to war with each other, but we're still shogun and we should be working together, not. Official purist arguments. They and, don't want to find any common ground, which gets kind of annoying. Now that's not to, but that's also not to excuse all of the illegals that they're bringing in to basically, you know, destroy all of our cities. That's different. <laughs> that's a different kind of immigration and race mi- race mixing. <laughs> we don't we yeah, don't need it, our it, children it, to be birthed through rape. A lot of them. <laughs> lot of them through rape. Yeah. No, and another thing, too, is that a lot of these guys like to use the German insignia and all this Heil Hitler, you know, all their their German National Socialist uh, paraphernalia, insignia, symbology, whatever. And Hitler had the greatest army of people from around the world that ever existed. That's right. We need everybody to stand up. Every culture that exists in America needs to stand up for the country and for themselves and their families. It's a completely unexpected assortment of people. There is no thread that I can find that connects all of the people who've popped up in my life to be that lone brave person in the crowd who says no thank you. You could not have known who these people are. They don't fit a common profile. Some are people like me. Some of them don't look like me at all. Some of them are people I despised on political grounds just a few years ago. But there's in one case someone who I made fun of on television, who was really the embodiment of everything I found repulsive, who in the middle of COVID decided, no, I'm not going along with this. And once you say one true thing and stick with it, all kinds of other true things occur to you. The truth is contagious. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this, I don't want to get supernatural on you, but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. I disagree with you. We're going to talk about these issues in the open regardless of the color of our skin. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. But you look around and you see these people, and some of them really have paid a heavy price for telling the truth. They are cast out of their groups, whatever those groups are, but they do it anyway. My dear, I was in deep meditation for our Kundalini Tantric sharing when I sensed a disturbance in the farce. Yes, my darling Michael. I sense it too. Something is changing with my lost weekend with Giuseppe the G-Man. Uh-oh! Guess what day it is! Guess what day it is! Huh? Anybody? Julie! Hey, guess what day it is! Oh, come on! I know you can hear me! Mike, 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 Mike! What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Listen, guess what today is! Paul day! That's right, Truthaholics. Your lost weekend with Giuseppe now begins on Hump Day. Hump Day? The Sane Asylum Hump Day Hootenanny, Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. The Sane Asylum Thirsty for Truth, Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. The Perfect Triangle, TGIF Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. 
Your Messiac must rest on the Sabbath. Then, the fastest hour in talk radio, the worldwide simulcast of the Sunday Night Sane Asylum on republicbroadcasting.org and speakfreeradio.com. If you miss any live show, head over to the podcast section at speakfreeradio.com to guzzle you some truth. You're listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. everybody welcome back it is the fetch inside the eye live intelligent media for the we're coming to you from Riyadh, where it seems like we're having a little bit of issues with the uh, internet i'm getting but definitely we're going to find to get through the whole show we're going to move out to um the united kingdom now you can steve again who has his own telegram show kind of like a, a i don't know round table comes on, I think, every Wednesday, my time, 9 o'clock, I believe it is. And he's here to talk a little bit more of that. Whatever else is on his mind, especially, I think, right. it's going to the human issue. So you can stage here. And hi, welcome to Inside the Eye Live. I think first time here. Uh, hi there. Thank you very much, Dennis, for uh, taking my hi. call. Hi there. Um, I've, there's a bit of a sound issue yeah, with you breaking up, um, so I'm going to keep it short. Um, I want to look at the Jewish megastate. So we see all these Zionist-occupied governments in all these white homelands, and they're being made to fight foreign wars against the majority wishes of those countries at the moment. And it seems to me that there's one smokescreen after another. The Ukraine war was a smokescreen for um, COVID. COVID was a smokescreen for the liquidity crisis. Every policy they're doing is designed to overextend the West in terms of uh, foreign domestic policy. Sorry, foreign policy. And domestic policy seems to be uh, running to the ground uh, with higher inflation, higher interest rates, more monetized debt. And there only seems to be one result to this, which is the collapse of the West. And I think we're, we're seeing that in terms of de-dollarization, de-industrialization, 
and the general dumbing down and uh, degradation of white people in um, white homelands, Australia, South Africa, America, UK. Now, what my question is, where are the Jews going with this? So, I mean, they're opening a, a war in Gaza. So was that a smokescreen for your loss in Ukraine? Um, they're starting in Yemen now, which seems to be a launching pad um, for the uh, war in Iran, eventually. So where are the Jews going with this foreign and domestic-wise? Are they trying to make a Jewish megastate without white people? Um, and are they going to be going for an Iranian war, possibly under a Trump candidacy, since he does seem to be a, a pro-war candidate with Iran? Um, can you give me some further light as to where they're going with this, foreign-wise and domestically, and how this relates to the Jewish megastate project? I don't know if you can hear me, Dennis. Um, I'm just asking about the the goal of the Jews in terms of foreign policy and domestic policy. Where are they going to go with this? Where are they going to be in like a, a year's time, three years time? I wonder if you can help me there and uh, shed some light. I have to tell you one thing. Uh, I'm a Christian and from a Jewish family. I have become a Christian at the age of 29. And uh, I feel my mission because I believe I'm Catholic today. That I come because I love very much my people. And I do these books so that all the Catholics can know the rules where they come from. They can know. But if someone was born a Jew, He's a Jew for all oh, his life. Yes, I know. And it. he cannot change it. He can make only his life more complicated. No, my or life is much better today. Miserable. My, my life is not miserable today. If someone is thinking about his illness, that that is a healthy thing, that is only a sign that his illness is more possible and needs a refuge, a garrison, a, a, a treatment as soon as possible. Pray for me, but I am very glad because for me, it's yeah. the message. Yeah, as I said before, 
If you are thinking about yourself as a healthy person, it's only a sign that you are more ill that someone is thinking about you. Sure, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. <laughs> I'm not speaking the most, uh, I'm speaking about you, chief, uh, uh, about your uh, sin, the biggest sin to change to, uh, apparently your being Jewish. But my parents never brought me to the synagogue, never. That, that is not an excuse for someone to be held to be ill because his parents won't will it so. You understand what I'm thinking? Yes, I understand you. God Almighty bless you that you became healthy. It's amazing to become a Jew openly and to reclaim for all the people around you that it was a big error, but God Almighty has so much mercy and He is forgiving even for the biggest sin that can be done. Uh, Rabbi, pray for me that yeah. I believe in as the Messiah. Yeah. And I will pray for you that you recognize yeah. as, as, as I said before, that's only a sign that your illness is much deeper than you imagine and I imagine. And God Almighty bless you to have good news and don't enter, people don't enter in discussion about what you are. You are born a Jew. I'm always and, a Jew. Yeah, and there will be a Jew and a Jew openly and all, see all person around you, especially your family, you acclaim your strength to reclaim that some, someone that performed a big sin Nevertheless, he has the God Almighty strength to recover from his deep illness, and as soon as you do it, as soon as Mashiach will come. The real Mashiach. The real Mashiach is... Don't repeat. Can I give you the book? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. That will prevent you to give it to someone else, and they use someone else to do something wrong. Everybody, that was Rabbi Schneerson. I believe we're going out now. That was Rabbi Schneerson, and as you can see, uh, he is... ...the Donald Trumps, the um, Ivanka Trump. The Jared Kushner's of the world, the Malel of the world. That is like the the brain spiritual found for people like a Donald Trump. You know, you maybe he'll go pray, but at the end of the day, he's going to be following what Kabad tells him to do. At least he has followed that. Look at who he pardons. Yeah, my audio is good. You guys, you got to admit, that was very clever. Put on a clip while I audit. Remember that trick, everybody. Thank goodness I had some stuff lined up for you. Uh, so anyways, we did it. Guys, we did it. Anyways, you know, that was, uh, again, Rabbi Schneerson. He is, he is the leader. He was considered... Guy that created the Noahide laws. He's the ones behind the whole New World Order and all that kind of fun stuff. This great Jewish, this great Jewish Messiah. Some people called him the, himself the Messiah in that clip. But you can see the contempt 
that a Jew has for another Jew that goes outside of the Jewish faith. You heard it there. You know, you're unhealthy. You're sick. You know, again, they're psychopaths, man. All right, going back to UK Steve, which unfortunately we were, um, we had some uh, technical issues for UK Steve. He was asking, you know, where are you going with all of this? My opinion is the debt. Because you're $34 trillion in debt, uh, the only way for these guys to try to make themselves whole is to start a massive war and then steal up take back everybody's land, try to take back whatever you can, and hide as much of this as possible through total destruction. Um, <clears throat> recapitalize everything through stealing the real estate instead of having to buy it on the dollar, just restart recapitalizing everything. Uh, literally just start a war to hide their crime of theft. I mean, they have looted But they've looted the rest Western world. And I really think the main issue here is number one, they want their technocratic state. Okay. They want to do it through AI. They want to control it through what you can and can't say online. They want to control your movements. It's not you go based on your carbon footprint. The carbon footprint is just an excuse to track you. The, the carbon's bullshit. But by saying it's carbon, you say, oh, so they want to control your movement. They want to control what you eat. They say you're going to eat bugs. What they're really saying is we're going to starve you. That's what they're saying. It's not like you're going to eat bugs and you're going to be happy because it's bugs. No. That's what they're telling you. You're gonna, they're going to starve you to death. That's how they do this each and every time. So, do they want a a small group of technocrats that they run everything with, and then everybody else is useless leaders? Just get rid of them. And that's what they're doing. They're they're, they're getting rid of everybody. And I saw a comment today somewhere on a, I think a Facebook post, and. Uh, candidate for the Senate or House of Republicans in Maine. I'd like to get him on. He's a bright guy. Tom Kazuski or something like that. And, you know, I've got the feeling based on what I'm observing, something, I'm just paraphrasing him, that this, uh, the problems we all face today are actually above the scope of the talent we have to solve the problems. Something like that. The talent we have to work with are not up to the task of actually solving everything. And he was speaking only about. We saw, I think, a 747 or 737, some aircraft the other day took off and we had a flame out on the engine. It's actually on fire going through the air. We've had literally parts of the aircraft just blow out. Literally. All of these various problems we see in the there's a an article came out the other day in a, a mainstream publication about how they can't get any more white people to fly. It's like this traditional white traditionally white uh, industry, especially in the United States, is going away. 
you know, you come to the Middle East, most of the captains are actually Saudis, you know, no problem. A lot of them got a lot of flight hours, you know, flying their, flying various aircraft too in their, in their military. Uh, you go to the Philippine Airlines, uh, a lot of them are actually still Filipino. So you have a lot of people flying national airlines that are from their nation. But here in the West, We're literally, I think the head of this article said it's something to the effect at the end of the all-white cockpit. And it showed two women, black women, flying the aircraft. Now, I don't know about you, but frankly, I'm not that comfortable. I'm not thinking I'm going to get into a wreck, but I'm also thinking there's a higher probability of a problem. If I have two black females in the, in the cabin, it's just, it's just, it's, it's okay. I, I have a right not to feel comfortable. Not for anybody to criticize me. I'm not going to feel all that comfortable. Maybe they do a great job. Thank goodness on that flight. But we all knew what happened to that P-8. All female crew skids off the freaking runway and ends up in the middle of Hawaii. Or whatever bay that is in, in, in Hawaii. Yeah, I'm expecting something like that, frankly. If I have an all-female crew. What happened? Yeah, there it is. It's going. So, anyways, uh, where were we? <laughs> we took a few calls there, and uh, let's see what time is it? Okay, it's got thirteen minutes to cover still. Uh, let's see. We talked about the Yemenis. We talked about. Uh, we brought a couple calls, and let me go back to the Israeli project again. We talked about the EAPL, the, the European Asian Pipeline, the SUMED Pipeline, some of the other issues that are going on here. We've had some purported missile strikes coming in towards Israel that, for all intents and purposes, based on where they were shot down, most likely came out of Syria. Nobody's admitting to this, but it came out of Syria. So things are heating up. We've had a, a major attack by Iran yesterday, and what they did... Mm, let me skip that one for now. Let me go back real quick. The IDF apparently is in up is in kind of like open revolt against uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. They're not all at, at all happy how the war is being being fought. Uh, whether or not they want to end it, whether they just want to kill and murder more people, who knows? But apparently, they're having a big uh, conflict inside of Israel. And one of those is that. Just as a death cult, Jewish people—they love to murder people. They, they, they delight in killing people. It's probably one of the best things they like to do. Well, it's kind of story, but there was supposed to be a tunnel inside of Gaza that held a that held a uh, senior Hamas, not Hamas, it was one of the other groups fighting there, but one of their, like, second-in-command. And there were three Israeli soldiers with them. Yeah, I don't know what to do about my audio, guys. Uh, I can't do anything, to be honest with you. I, I can't do anything other than drag everything onto the floor, which is not a smart thing. So I can't do anything, guys, unfortunately. If I do, I'm going to lose my audio again. Uh, where were we? So anyways, what they did 
is, according to this woman, she put out a story there on on uh, Facebook, and she basically said something to the effect that, look, I killed my son, killed these other two. And did it using poison gas. And they're literally talking about how they killed their... Well, if that is indeed the case, then what we are looking at here is Israel gassing not only their own soldiers, but of course the enemy too. This is biologic, this is chemical warfare. Straight up. They're using chemical weapons against not just the enemy, but their own people that might happen to be uh, there with their quote-unquote their enemy. And this woman is alleging that she's been met, she's talked to them, they actually, she knows that like the fingernails were all torn asunder, the hands were all mangled because he was trying to climb his way out because he couldn't breathe. Had nothing to do with Hamas, it had everything to do with the Hannibal Directive and the fact that the Jewish state, this death cult, not only kills the enemy in whatever inordinate amount of numbers it can, but it's killing its own. It doesn't care. It'll sacrifice its own just to make a just to make a point that we killed somebody. So Israel's lost many, many hostages because they just killed them. Straight up. So this woman's name, her name is Mayan Sherman, said that the killing of her son was caused, and quoting here, not from accidental gunfire, nor from crossfire, but from premeditated murder, bombing with poison gas. Ron was kidnapped because of the criminal negligence of all the senior officials of the army and this damned government, she said. Actually, she wrote on her Facebook so, uh, once again, two of the soldiers, they were recovered. The IDF is, like, really covering this up. You really can't get too much information from the IDF. They're just not going into it. It's, uh, their, their death was unknown. We don't know why they're dead. Uh, but uh, we found them going through the tunnel. No, they knew exactly what was going on. They knew that they knew the soldiers were there, according to this Mayon Sherman. They knew her son was there. They knew where he was, but he was with this commander, uh, second in command of this one uh, organization that's fighting in, in Gaza. And they knew it, and they just made the decision, kill him. That is the Jewish state. That's the Jewish mindset. That's what it means to be Jewish. For all you Jews out there that want to say, gee, oh, Fetch is just anti No, I'm just commenting, you freaking morons. You deal with it. Like we heard just in that clip. You hear Schneerson. Oh, you're diseased. What a piece of crap this guy is. And he's your leader. He's the head. He's the genius of the Jewish mind. He's the great Kabbalistic guru of Judaism. Wow. You're all diseased. All you Jews are diseased. Unless you follow the will of us, the great Kabbalah guru geniuses. And you all eat it up like it's all great. Oh, I'm a Jew. I got to be a Jew. Oh, yes, I'm a Jew. I don't want to have any disease because my my rabbi said I don't want to be diseased. So I, got, I don't want, you guys are freaking idiots. What cowards, a race of cowards until, until you put a gun in your hand and you'll go kill anybody you can. You have no shame. Jews have no shame in, in their glee in killing people. Follow what they do in Israel, guys. You're going to see I'm not actually making this up. It's just a way of life.
They can talk all they want, but it's a way of life. All right, over to Iran. We had a massive missile strike hitting in Erbil. Now, I remember my trip to Erbil. I made two trips to Erbil. First trip I went in, I was met with a commander of Kurdish forces. And he picked us up at the airport, uh, Plashnikov in hand, a couple uh, bags of ammunition, you know, clips, and we got in his car, wasn't so much uh, armored back in the day, and we went to this major hotel, camped out. Over the years, it was very common knowledge that Mossad and the Kurds are working together, hand in hand. Second trip in, I got into an armored vehicle, had 4th Iraqi infantry escort me down into Tikrit. That was a hell of a trip, scary as hell. And uh, met with many government officials, U.S. military officials, State Department officials, all that kind of fun stuff. It was a very fascinating trip for a week, filled it with a lot of crap. And again, it was always common knowledge that Mossad was working with the Kurds. Common knowledge. Everybody knew it. In fact, everybody kind of, it was just common knowledge. Everybody talked about it. So this week we had Iran blew up uh, what they claimed to be in Iraq, in a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, Mossad headquarters. Then the next day, immediately there were like two pictures coming out. These are two babies killed in the attack by Iran. What did they have to do with Mossad? Well, yesterday, rumors started to come out that they found a couple passports with Mossad. One of the top Israeli businessmen that was there who claimed to be Kurd, but they knew he was actually Israeli, uh, was killed in the attack. They blew up his house as well. Iraq's foreign minister, Fouad Hussein, told CNN Tuesday that there are no Mossad affiliate centers operating in Erbil. I don't believe it, frankly. I don't believe it. He called the strikes a violation of international law. Again, whatever. The Iranians don't want to or cannot attack Israel. They search for victims around them. See, I don't believe that. I don't think the Israelis were doing that at all. I think they knew exactly what they were hitting. And they made a point to hit it, to send a message to the Americans, to the British, to the Israelis, look, we are being very polite right now. If you wish to escalate it, we can have this level of precision anywhere we want within the Middle East, which means that you Americans and your little bases with your giant little 2,000 people in a country of 25 million, yeah, you're going to hold off the engines all day long, right? We can take out your bases within literally 30 minutes. 15 minutes from launch time, you won't exist. They send a quick message. Not a war yet, but it certainly lets you say a low-level conflict. Some people call it a war, but it's not yet. It's that's everybody inside the alive. That guy is.
CEO of United Airlines last month, the CEO, he announced of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year, all the hiring for the new pilots, the main focus is going to be diversity. Diversity, not the best pilots you can find. The ones with the most hours of experience. Nope, diversity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time. <laughs> Boring. The Fetch and Inside the Eye Live is not always so serious, guys. You know, we have a lot of fun on this show, but it just, you can't tell. <laughs> We're trying to be serious all the time, but at 3 o'clock, heck, my chat room is so dead right now, it's like I got nine people there. Join us in the chat room, everybody, Inside the Eye. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm so honored to be your first guest. That is you are my first guest. Yeah, it's kind of cool, huh? Yeah, it is indeed. I'm thinking about getting a lady co-host. What do you think? I should add a lady co-host to this? Just We'll just change the whole format for Thursday. I'm going to get a lady co-host. I think it's nice if you've got someone you can bounce on. You should be careful if you use lady (laughs) co-host. Oh, dear. Is this live? <laughs> Actually, yes, it is. I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening back to this part. Of this. You know, maybe maybe Grizzlin's going to cut this part out. He's going to cut it out and say, this wasn't live. I know they were making a mistake. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Fetch Inside the Eye live on a day where we seem to be having a little bit of a difficulty with our internet connection. I'm not a big, big, big conspiracy theorist thinking Operation or Unit 8200 is, is uh, you know, listening in on me and every now and then tweaking it. Could be, though. You know, I mean, Fetch is kind of kind of influential, but not so big that people should worry about me, at least that. Uh, but, yeah, it says uh, that we're very choppy today. And, again, it's really not my fault. I can only do what I can do. I don't have a direct fiber link here. I have to work through the 4G. And I'm not going to turn on the 5G, frankly, because it's actually harder to get to the get to the uh, tower if I use 5G. So 4G is actually more stable. And... Um, 
Anyways, uh, I don't know why you guys are talking about Tim Pool. I haven't watched Tim Pool. In the chat room, it's actually very quiet today. It's still humming along, but it's very quiet today. They're talking about Tim Pool. I mean, like, who watches Tim Pool? I, I haven't watched Tim Pool since, I don't know, uh, three months up to the 2020 election, something like that, you know, watching this guy change a little bit. I haven't watched the guy in, gosh, four years now. I really haven't. Well, that's a long time. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like he wears his beanie and yeah, he's huge. Let's be honest. He's a huge talent out there. Uh, a lot of people go on his shows, but I just, just can't get into it. Just can't get into the game. I can't get in a lot of people, so it's okay. Uh, what else is news? Uh, inside the iLive, click on the live chat button. That gets you in. If you want to try the studio again, apparently you guys are going out. I'm not going out so well. That's at inside the i no speakfreeradio.com forward slash i tell thought i turned off the thing speak free radio where is it speakfreeradio.com forward slash i tell um you know i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna put fritz you want to go on the line here because uh if not um okay uh we'll continue on we want to talk a little bit about uh uh, the WEF, World Economic Forum, of course, been going on in Davos this week. And uh, uh, these guys, I'll tell you, the World Economic Forum is, is you want to talk about a, a group of entitled morons. You know, I'll tell you, guys, I, I don't tell you. I do, but I don't. I have spent a lot of my years let's say from my mid-40s to my mid-50s, 10 years, hanging out with this elitist crap. Not advertised, but I did. And I don't find them impressive people. I find them idiots. They don't think, they're so into their their ideology they're dangerous because they actually have influence but as people as human beings they're stupid and it's hard to get that point across because everybody sees them on TV they must be smart they're not they really aren't and you can listen to what they have to say, and you can see they're stupid. For instance, um, this clip here. Why? Because in order to open an account, you need to have an ID. Right. And um, I have to say that when, we, when I started this job, there were actually very little countries in Africa or Latin America that had one ubiquitous mm -hmm type of ID, and certainly that it was digital, and certainly that it was biometric, and uh, we've really worked with all our partners to actually help that being, uh, um, I mean, to grow this, and the interesting part of it is that, you know, yes, it is very necessary for financial services, but not only, sure. you know, it's also good for school enrollment, it's also good for health, who actually got a vaccination or not, uh, it's, it's very good to actually to get your subsidies, you know, from the government. So this has not only effect to the financial services, it's a very important issue. And again, always they default back to vaccines. What idiot. 
you know what? People should literally come up to her and say, listen, you want to force your vaccines on me? I'm going to digital ID your freaking face since the man. war against us personally. You can use it to get into school and vaccines. Again, so agenda driven. How in the hell did we survive for two We did just fine, thank you very much. We don't need you tracking every movement so you can where everybody's kids are. We all know you're pedophiles. We get it. The last thing we want to do is be able to allow the government to track the children. Do you really think that they're going to catch all these pedophiles if they do? They could do it now. It's a massive conspiracy to steal and consume as many children as possible. Whether it's for the adrenochrome, torture, ritual sacrifice, just whatever, sex crimes, whatever the case may be. They don't do a thing to help, do they? We're not the CBC. Through technology, an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. See, all he wants is, oh, we just want to track you. We want to know what you eat. We want to know where you go. But they use the carbon footprint as, quote, unquote, they call it anything at this stage. Because it's not carbon footprint. The more carbon I can actually produce, the better it is for the planet. And who needs some clown like this to be following everything I do? Oh, we know what you eat. What you... Again, agenda-driven morons. This work. It stifles everything about the human spirit. Nobody wants to work under this type of scenario where some jackass is coming around. Excuse me? Shut the frick up. Who are you? Get the hell out of my face. Oh, you disagree. We got to cut off your money now. Again, has nothing to do with intelligence. What idiots. Trump is up there on his stump speech saying, if I'm elected, I will never, ever allow the CBDC. I will make sure it happens. They'll be able to control everything about you. He's not a trusted guy anymore. As they say in the Middle East, okay, Trump, inshallah. Let's hope so, because frankly, no one's really going to believe you. And then you've got the clowns, the really entitled clowns out there that are bemoaning the fact that they're not the center of attention. If you go back anymore. really not, not that long ago, as I say, we kind of, we owned the news. We were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well. If it said it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, then that was a fact. Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying. So it's no longer good enough for us just to say, this is what happened or here's, here's, this is the news. We have to explain, our, almost like explain our working. So 
So readers expect to understand how we source stories. They want to know um, uh, how we go about getting stories. They, we have to sort of lift the bonnet, as it were, and in a way that newspapers you know, aren't used to doing and explain to people what we're doing. We need to be much more transparent about how we go about collecting the news. People like this, what they don't really understand is that they're fake. You know, they put out so much garbage that they don't have any credibility anymore. Trump did a great job raising this part about him. We give him credit on that one. But we all knew this within our own circles. He just made it mainstream for us. We knew it was fake. We knew they were, quote unquote, the gatekeepers. Hell, the use of the term, you know, the use or term, the use of the term gatekeeper was kind of from us. We were saying they are the gatekeepers. They're the ones, but we had our own gatekeepers. People like, you know, Alex Jones and even uh, people like Oscar Carlson, if you wanted. We viewed a lot of these people that were controlling the narrative to be gatekeepers. We have so many gatekeepers. Tons of gatekeepers. You know, the news media need to be more transparent, so to speak. We already know they're fake. They're frauds. They don't even know how to get a story. Oh, we're going to have to show how we work. We know how you work. You make stuff up out of the, you know what, and you just throw it on the press. there to say, yes, I confirm this for you. Get some other person out and say, yes, I, okay, I got my two stars editor. Run the story. It's all legitimate. And the fact is, two, three, four, five days later, sometimes within hours, we destroy your entire story because it's all a fraud. And that is really what the World Economic Forum and the elites are really the most concerned about. <clears throat> They're concerned that they can no longer control the narrative. That their fake news will no longer be accepted, and once that happens, they have no credibility across their entire chain. Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen, dear Klaus, your annual global risk report makes for a stunning and sobering read. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict, or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate, shifts in our demography, and in our technology, spiraling regional conflicts and intensified geopolitical competition and their impacts on supply chains. The sobering reality is that we are once again competing more intensely across countries than we have in several decades. And this makes the theme of this year's Davos meeting even more relevant, rebuilding trust. This is not a time for conflicts or polarization. 
This is a time to build trust. This is a time to drive global collaboration more than ever before. This requires immediate and structural responses to match the size of the global challenges. I believe it can be done. And I believe that Europe can and must take the lead in shaping that global response. Now, the funny thing about that whole thing, and you'll see this. She didn't write a damn thing there. Somebody wrote that for her. Somebody behind the scenes. She's just up there giving a, a speech. She's just reading a, a script for you. Now, Europeans. Who are the Europeans? What, just the fact that the, the Vanderlands, this, this elite that doesn't know anything? The one that's destroying the entire European continent, chasing after global warming? And they're worried about disinformation? Oh, you can't control the narrative because you're idiots? Common sense is common sense, and even an idiot out there, let's not call them idiots, idiots, but even some of the less uh, endowed intellectually understand common sense. And you somebody that's just following common sense? I mean, what exactly do you mean by disinformation? So what they really want to do, everybody, is they want to use social media like X, Elon Musk, to clamp down on the narrative. And frankly, that's exactly what they're doing. Because I'm not allowed to be on X, is they are clamping down on um, mm -mm -mm. Elon Musk. They are clamping down on where is it? The right wing side of the uh, political argument. According to this, it says here. Let's see if I can get this to understand this. Um, uh, it's loading everybody. Okay, it says here, analytics are down for numerous right-wing dissident accounts on X amid allegations of censorship. Here's one, I don't know who this is, it's too small, maybe I can blow this up. Doesn't say who it is, so it's really not so good. Um... Down here, 74%. Wow. Another company down 72%. Another down 68%. Another down 88%. Another down 88%. Another one's down 73%. Uh, when you look across the whole schema, link clicks down 85%. You know that they're getting throttled. Here's another company down, not company, but let's just say, but the idea that is happening on X is and they're doing so because once again they want to prevent uh, the narrative from and Elon Musk apparently is very willing and able to help them do that um, Elon Musk apparently he is headed to Israel and because he's headed Israel, I, I guess they're trying to tame some of the comments coming out. Uh, there's a Bloomberg article somewhere. Let's see if I can find the Bloomberg article. Um, can't uh, imagine. No. Anyways, can't find it. But nonetheless, you got this guy, 
Elon Musk, purportedly one of the richest men in the world, and he's literally flying into Israel to bow down to Jews. And Jews want to say, we don't run anything. Hell, the richest men of the world are actually coming to you to bow down to you. Uh, and you want to tell us that uh, you don't control everything? I don't think so. Uh, I just don't think so. Mm, I think I played all of those clips already. Um, let's run out to the phones, though, to the 804 area code. And let's see if I can get this thing to pot up there. There you are. Hi, welcome back to Inside the Eye Live. Hi, Dennis. The sound is just awful this is Catherine. how are you doing i'm sorry to hear that that's not good um but i just if you can hear me enough and i was waiting till you got to uh, i mean good stuff as always but i wanted to comment about the brother nathaniel that's always go ahead elizabeth elizabeth hates me but i compliment her all the time Elizabeth hates me and calls me a Jew, but I and yet I compliment her. But um, she made a good point about Brother Nathaniel. uh, You know, saying that uh, the tunnels were a nothing burger. But another interesting thing um, about the Brother Nathaniel Sue Peters um, show was he was saying how Jews get so ugly when they get older because they have the deicidal curse. And he used um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg as an example of this, which is totally valid. But, I mean, does he think he's good? He he said he was good-looking because he's Christian. Now, I don't think any... I mean, I think it's a real threat to say Brother Nathaniel is good-looking. And I always liked him, but, you know, sometimes these people just really show their true colors in ways that's undeniable. Mm. So the fact that he was covering for Shabbat Zubovich. Who was? Brother Nathaniel uh, or Brother Nathaniel? Oh, the sound is terrible. I don't know if you can hear me at all. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, you just said something. I, I didn't hear what you said. I just asked, who was defending Kabad, Peters or Nathaniel? Brother Nathaniel said um, that um, the um, uh, the tunnels were a nothing burger. I don't buy that. It's too big of a tunnel to be made so fast. How could you make it and not be known? You know what I mean? That's a lot of dirt to haul out of there. How did you get the dirt out of there? What uh, UK Steve said to me was that this is a fight between two factions of Jews, of the um, Bibi Netanyahu, which is more like on the Shabbat movement, uh, the Ruby fashion and um, oh gee like the Rothschild so I don't know but um, you know that they were doing disgusting things down there I mean 
They don't need special places to do disgusting things. They do disgusting things whether they have a tunnel or not. <laughs> but, uh, that keeps a little cool. You know, that's there were people saying they heard voices down, you know, they were hearing voices in their apartment room, these yeah. Yiddish voices, and everyone said, oh, you're just crazy, oh, you're just crazy. And then they come out and said, see, I told you we weren't crazy, we were hearing voices. And nobody would give them a listen, even though they were saying, listen, there's Yiddish voices down, we hear it. it it's, it's, we can hear what's going on. And nobody would investigate, which was rather interesting. But, you know, the thing is, like, why are they covering up the evidence? And the taxpayer pays for it. I mean, and they were just like dancing around like they know they're not going to get in trouble. Did you see that stuff? Uh And then there was another, then there was another thing where the, you know, the, the, the guy and, you know, with the big hat comes out of the tunnel. Like to me, I, I watched that over and over again. Because it didn't make sense how he got past the grating. I don't know if he lifted it up, but it, it, I, I think it looked like um, you know computer generated, you know CGI. Mm. So, uh, I mean, the whole thing is so odd, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they're not going to get in trouble because they have everybody, you know, bribes, blackmails, and, you know, that's what you can do when you can print money out of nothing. And you can just destroy and gut whole cultures. I think what we're witnessing is literally America is run by a mafia. A criminal organized yeah. criminal mafia. And it, it's not even as good anymore. I mean, they'll just do whatever. You know, they go around Congress and they give Israel $150 million. I gave you the right to just give them the money, dudes. You go around Congress and you'll blow a hundred million plus on some type of missile strike because a hundred, it's one plus million, 60 tomacs, whatever. Yeah, and, plus and- the, and who gave you that authority to blow all that money, dudes? Yeah. You know what I mean? They just burn know, in the cash. The money, when they waste the money, that's the taxpayer's money. But when they use it to bribe people, that's the money that they print out of nothing. So, you know, both ways they win. And I remember watching um, when January 6th was going on, they had the hearings in Congress on C-SPAN. And this guy... A young congresswoman, this man, you know that sign that they make where you rub the thumb against the other fingers to indicate money? You know, he he, he, he made that sign to her. (laughs) I mean, all of our politicians are bribed and paid off. It's just, I mean, we're like, it's really just so sad. It's so sad. Yeah, the morality has certainly left, you know. Uh, our system, the government works if you have a moral people upholding moral values, but when it gets this bad, it's just, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah. Uh, so All can, right, you can, take care. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks for taking <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's clear, but it seems like we just, I don't know, maybe they just don't want us to talk no, today. It's, it's, 
terrible. Maybe I'm too. I hear it all the time too. It's very frustrating. But okay, we'll just have to go through right. it. Nothing I can do. See ya. Now maybe talk to Paul English. I think Paul English is the big techno guy in your yeah. in your parts and speak freelance. No, this is an internet issue. There's nothing to do. You know, we're running everything oh, at high okay. power, high heat, and it's just not coming out. So it's nothing to do with Paul for sure. Unless unless Oh, it's a StreamYard server, but I wouldn't think so. You know what I mean? I'm going straight to the StreamYard server. And then out from StreamYard to him. So I don't know where. It's the internet. We'd have to debug it, and that's gonna, that we're not going to do that. That's too much work. But, yeah, like, why are they just filling in the tunnels? I mean, does it, nobody is commenting on that. It's you totally know, like, we, don't you want to find out what's down there? That's or they saying like privately too. To no, we were saying the same thing privately too. What the hell? I can't hear you at all. Let me just hang up. I can't hear you at all. All right, take care, Dennis. the people who are most woke and who use the term privileged in that pejorative sense, which means you have to shut the fuck up. <laughs> they are overwhelmingly white, affluent, and well-educated. In other words, yeah. they are the privileged. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the privileged who are telling other white people to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And the irony of this self-selected elite is that they're getting down on everyone else for being privileged, but what they really want is more privilege for themselves. Yeah. It is a kind of greed, because on top of having all the money and the great education and all the status, that's not enough for them. Mm. They have to have the moral high ground. Yeah. <laughs> That white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. Let me tell you a scary story. An economics professor at a local college made a statement that she had never failed a single student before, but had recently failed an entire class. The class had insisted that socialism worked that no one would be poor and no one would be rich. A great equaliser. The professor then said, OK, we will have an experiment in this class. All grades will be averaged and everyone will receive the same grade. No one will fail 
but no one will receive an A either. After the first test, the grades were averaged and everyone got a B. The students who studied hard were upset and the students who studied little were happy. As the second test rolled round, the students who studied little studied even less. And the ones who studied hard decided they wanted a free ride too, so they studied little. The second average test result was a D. No one was happy. When the third test rolled round, the average was an F. As the test proceeded, the scores never improved. As bickering, name-calling and blame all resulted in hard feelings. And no one would study for the benefit of anyone else. To their great surprise, all failed. And the professor told them that socialism would ultimately fail. Because when the reward is great, the effort to succeed is great. But when the government takes away all the reward, no one will try or want to succeed. And that is socialism, my friends. A race to the bottom. You are listening to Speak Free Radio. The free speech internet radio platform. All right, everybody, welcome back. Final half hour, it's banjo time. I understand we've had last week, and of course, I'm not happy about that, but there's not a whole lot I can do about it. Um, what can I do, you know? Uh, you know vaccines and are in the market, you know, if you go to the market, we have the is uh, out there pushing for digital IDs, and the reason why she wants to push for digital IDs is track everybody's vaccination status. Uh, sounds to me like uh, she's not a very good woman. In fact, she sounds very dangerous to the people of the Netherlands. She called on globalist elites, again, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, to summit to expand plans for global digital IDs to ensure they can track individuals' vaccine status. So, again, this woman needs to be railroaded out. Guys, this is like a litmus test. There's two litmus tests. Where do you stand on vaccines? And where do you stand on the Jewish issue? Both of those are your, if you are for vaccines, you're not for the people. You're for a globalist terrorist regime. You yourself are supporting international global bioweapon terror operations. And that's the Queen of Denmark. She's new here. First thing on the scenes is she wants to basically turn everybody into cattle and track them. I don't know if you've been to a farm. I've been to like some of the biggest farm dairy farms here. All the cattle have their ARFID trackers on. They come in. They know when they're being inside the, the milking station. They know when they finish. They know when they go back to the 
to the yard. They actually have the RFID sensors. They know when they pass a certain gate. They know when they go through this gate. Every little movement of those cows is done. That's what the Queen of Denmark wants to do here. She wants to track everybody. Amazing, isn't it? Dutch Queen made this demand during a panel discussion this week at the uh, Davos meeting. Her name is Queen Maxima and she served in the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, Special Advocate for Inclusive Finance for Development since 2009. Uh, going on here, she says, Gutierrez to please the general should live in mud huts, okay, to comply with the West's net zero agenda. That's probably true, though. Uh, has also been leading in the campaign to link digital IDs to individual bank accounts to track public spending. Again, we need to track at least spending. We need to track government spending. We need to track administrative state spending, not them track the people. The various government organizations need to be tracked themselves. Then you have the World Economic Forum still, uh, I guess, in the news. You have Klaus Schwab calling on globalist leaders to Trump-proof their economies ahead of the coming U.S. presidential election. Well, to me, that's a declaration against our sovereignty, which means that the collaborators to this are enemies of the state. That's how I view it. If you're in America and you are, quote-unquote, Trump-proofing our economy, going against our wishes, you're an enemy of the state, subject to whatever and however the people want to treat you after that. Who are you, as a punk WEF person, to decide for everybody else? Because that's what the WEF is. The WEF is essentially a dictatorial, technocratic, managerial type of operation. Quote-unquote, to benefit the stakeholders, which is essentially the public-private partnership between the technocratic state, which gets to manage it, and the corporations get benefit from it. It doesn't include the people. Not even close. On Friday, Bloomberg Television host Francine Lacroix asked leaders at the WEF about the preparations for Trump's re-election. Again, who are these people? We should know every single WEF party inside of our nations. Every single one should be identified, what their roles are, what they're doing, track them every cards if necessary. They're enemies of the state. Think about it. They want to do that to you, but they call it a digital ID. She talked to first to a Jewish guy, Mr. David Rubenstein. He is a co-executive chairman of the Carlisle Group. It's a private equity firm, as you know. It says here, David, a number of leaders have expressed concern of what Donald Trump in the White House means for fragmentation for foreign policy. Is there any way that the rest of the world can Trump-proof their economies? Returning the response, he says, um, if somebody has a way to do that, I think they should patent it and probably sell it to somebody else he started. It'd be very difficult to do. And you had various representatives from Europe offering their views, etc. But again, you're talking about a technocratic totalitarian system. That's really what all of this is about. 
And whether or not you want to uh, play the game or not, I don't know. I don't think a lot of us do here. We had uh, lots, of, lots of people did go to Davos and the, uh, the wannabe guy from Argentina. By the name of this guy. What's this guy's name? Dr. Robert was right there and he actually went in. Uh, the Heritage Foundation president, Dr. Kevin Roberts, yes. He was invited to speak and he, he essentially said, You guys are the problem. Not the people, not everybody else. He actually said, You guys are the problem here. And a good of his. That the WEF is going to lead the world into poverty, into um, uh, depression, you know, poverty. It's going to spread misery across the planet, and uh, everybody needs to put a stand against that. So, Malay, again, people look at Malay as some type of savior. He's a Kabad wannabe. And I think Denmark or Holland? I think Holland or Belgium. I forget. I forget this guy's name. But I forget the guy's name. But nonetheless, he's uh, he's he's uh, again an Israeli person. power. Wannabe power. Our Israeli firsters. Um, let's see. Where is that piece here? Where's my piece? Where's my piece? This window, yes, this window. Oh, yeah. Windows are bouncing all over on me, guys. Uh, where's Malay? Come on, there you are, dude. This is neo Marxists have managed to co opt the common sense of the Western world. They achieved this through the appropriation of the media, culture, universities, and yes, even international organizations. The final case is very serious as it involves institutions with huge influence on the political and economic decisions of the countries in these multilateral organizations. Fortunately, more of us dare to raise our voices as we see that if we don't confront these ideas head on, the only possible destiny is more state, more regulation, more socialism, more poverty, less freedom, and consequently, a worse quality of life. It's all very true. Um, you know, he's speaking again. A lot of people look at this Malay guy as some type of a savior of the West. Uh, now he's done a lot of good things. You still have to give credit where credit is due. He slashed the administration. 25%. That's a very major operation and undertaking to do, guys. Uh, we should do the same in America. We should just slash our entire administrative state by 65%. Um, I want to get into one other issue here because the vaccine issue, I want to go into the vaccine issue. And again, you may think, oh, gee, it's not a big, no, it's a huge deal. Again, it is a huge deal. As you can see, they're still talking about it at the World Economic Forum. They're talking about it wherever you really start to look around. And if I go to, let me find my feed here. You can find me, by the way, at Radio ITEL on Telegram and at Gab. I haven't been posting much lately, to be honest with you. 
And uh, I'm sorry about that. Let's first take the phone call. Uh, hi, 573. Hi, welcome to Inside the Eye Live. Hi, before we get into the vaccine issue, Fetch, real quick, I'm sorry to break your train of thought. Uh, I called in to trigger all the boomer haters today. Today is the 60th anniversary of the release of Meet the Beatles on Capitol Records in the United States. Wow. A little history there. I was still too young for that. I was, I think, just two years old. I missed that one, dude. I missed it. Okay, so anyway, I, I'm going to go now. Back to the vaccines, but I just wanted to put that on the record. Okay, fair Thank enough. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for it. Thanks. All right, I didn't know that. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. Um, Meet the Beatles came out 60 years ago today. Oh, that's cool. Let me put you down, though. That's not cool. All right. Let me find my feed here, guys. And again, it's at Radio ITEL on both Gab and Telegram. All right. Number one. Uh, Snoop Dogg. You may know Snoop Dogg. He's a pretty famous uh, rapper, kind of liberal guy. His 24-year-old daughter was hospitalized this week with a severe stroke. Again, Snoop Dogg's 24-year-old daughter hospitalized after a severe stroke. And um, number two, NBA coach. That's right, an NBA coach dropped dead at 46 this week of a sudden heart attack. NBA coach, again, dropped dead this week. His name, uh, NBA coach Dejan Milojevic, uh, died suddenly after suffering a massive fatal heart attack, according to reports. He was working for the Golden State Warriors. So that's a major name being killed by the vaccine. And we assume the vaccine until otherwise proven different. Um, uh, there's another one. Daily Mail sports reporter. As you know, the Australian Open is on. It's probably one of the, the Australian Open guys, gals, is considered the wokest tournament in the world right now. Uh, literally, it's the wokest tournament. Well, a Daily Mail reporter, uh, sports reporter dropped dead at the Australian Open this week. The Daily Mail's veteran tennis correspondent, Mike Dixon, has dropped dead while covering the Australian Open, according to reports. There you have it. And another one, NFL star Ronald Powell, dead at 32, cause unknown. He was a former New Orleans State Saints linebacker. He died unexpectedly at 32 years of age. And again, all of these we assume to be vaccine-related until the vaccine companies and our investigators could prove otherwise. Another one, Australian soccer star Stephen Labet was found dead this week at the age of 46. Um, uh, that's according to a police report. Fitness influencer. She was uh, 35. Beautiful young lady. Popular social media influencer. Tragically died suddenly after suffering an unexpected cardiac arrest at the age of 35. So as you can see, this week, 
a lot of big names have succumbed to the vaccines, to this bioweapon put out by uh, Pfizer, by Moderna, by um, AstraZeneca. This is mass murder, guys. We're dealing with a cult, a death cult. They call them a satanic death cult. It's a, it's a death cult, for sure. So we've had some very, 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 very big names go out this week. I mean, come on. We're losing like an NBA coach. Uh, you're losing a uh, top tier one a sportscaster, a tier one um, fitness influencer on YouTube, uh, former NFL linebacker, uh, former football player, soccer player. So it's been a very, very bad week for the vaccine people. They are just proving to us every day just exactly how deadly these products really are. Um, you look at what some of what's being said out there. We have a, um, let's find that thing. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, here it is. A Senator, I think Johnson, I think Senator Johnson, he's been all over this thing. Yeah. Ron Johnson from Wisconsin. He's gone public with some new federal data this week showing that the alarming deaths that are out there shows that the vaccine that Trump likes to brag so much about is 55 times deadlier than the regular flu vaccine. 55 times. Now, we're not even, that's deadlier. We're not even talking about the injuries, which is probably um, in the many hundreds, because I don't know too many people getting damaged by uh, disabled by the flu vaccine. Maybe it's happening. Uh, on the DEI front, we, of course, that's diversity, equity, and inclusiveness. We see some movement. Again, say what you want about DeSantis, but on the state level, I feel he does a very good job. Uh, the state of Florida now is announcing that it is permanently banning any taxpayer money from being used to fund schools that are pushing Marxist DEI programs. And uh, again, that should be seen as a very, very, very uh, healthy development. Again, that should be done across the board. Uh, Kamala Harris was in the news this week. And I don't know why, but she says she's uh, deathly afraid. Maybe deathly is the right word. Uh, but she says she's absolutely afraid of uh, Donald Trump coming to power. Uh, and uh, she's worried that if he comes to power, you know, whatever Trump's going to do. I know they've been talking about Trump being a dictator. You know what? We've been living under a dictatorship. When a Jew can walk in and tell us what we can and can't say, that's a dictatorship by and for Judaism. When Jews demand that you shut your mouth and don't criticize Israel, when it's your money going over there, that's a lot of nerve, by the way. You got your hands in my pocket. But you don't want me to talk about the money that you're taking from me. So anyways, I don't know why, but Vice President Kamala Harris admitted he's living in fear of the Speaking on an ABC show, propaganda show, The View. The View. God, that's still going. Harris admitted that she's scared as heck. And again, she's genuine fears. But why? We don't know why. She made the comments after being asked about the crisis at the southern border. Well, yeah, it's ridiculous what's going on down there. Um, but she's not saying why she's scared. You know, she just doesn't say. Anyway, she doesn't say why she's scared. But she's, she's scared. Well, let's talk a little bit about how, how you're going to go after the other side. 
side sure. because some heavy hitting uh, Democrats are sounding the alarm behind closed doors. Uh, President Obama reportedly has said that he thinks the Biden campaign is too complacent when it comes to Trump. Uh, Representative Jim Clyburn has said the campaign isn't breaking through the MAGA wall. Michelle Obama says she's terrified, as we are, uh, about the potential outcome of the election. Now, are, are you scared, first of all, what could happen if Trump ever became, God forbid, president again? And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? I am scared as heck. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I'm traveling our country. You know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run for office, either without an opponent or scared. So on all of those points, yes, we should all be scared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as we know, and certainly this is a, a table of very powerful women, we don't run away from something when we're scared. We fight back against it. Mm -hmm. right. Right? So, right? Yeah. Uh, so many of us know when we are scared for the future of our children, do we then stay in bed with the covers over our head? Nope. No. We can't. We can't. <laughs> cannot. We cannot. No. And this is where this election. The American people have really come up and um, really said the same thing. The American people are, are kind of scared equally. And you can't have another four years of these absolute insane psychopaths being having the reins of power again. It's going to take a massive type of uh, voting thing to, to get this uh, this thing done as far as the numbers coming out to actually vote in 2024 to, to really put an end to this stuff. But it won't matter. If you don't go dark MAGA and start dealing with it, these people should be scared. They should be executed. They should be tried for crimes against the American people and executed. So in this case, yeah, I think they should be they should be scared. Yeah, they're going to fight back. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of patriots in this country in the United States, but they have to be they have to be, uh, let's say, um, not entitled. They have to be empowered to do something. That means that the FBI needs to be gutted and we need to empower our own patriotic front. The CIA needs to be gutted. We need to empower our own um, international intelligence front. A lot of good people out there. Again, a lot of good people, but we need to deal with the criminal elements inside of the United States. And without doing that, hell, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. For instance, with all these people dying from the vaccines, my goodness, uh, why is Fauci still walking? Why is why is Pfizer not completely bankrupted? Why are not the scientists who developed the mRNA arrested, rounded up, tried, and executed for developing a bioweapon that has killed so many American people? We actually have that right to do that. Again, we have the right. You know, a federal court ruled this week that U.S. Centers for Disease Control, which is, again, a enemy of the American people, they must publish data on the adverse effects from COVID-19 vaccines that was reported through the government's Be Safe program, and they must start on February the 15th. There were 7.8 million responses documenting negative effects, and you know that's not all of them. So this V-Safe program allowed the CDC officials to monitor the vaccine in real time. And now the federal judge is coming out and saying, hey, look, uh, you need to release this stuff because, frankly, it's not uh, 
not that we need that we need to see the data and again you're dealing with a criminal syndicate cdc is a criminal syndicate fda criminal syndicate um you know the biological weapons manufacturers like uh, Pfizer. These are criminal syndicates. I look at them as biological weapons manufacturers. Frankly, I don't look at them as as official vaccine pharmaceutical companies. They're 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 bioweapons manufacturers, and they have been bioweapons manufacturers from the very beginning. So I'll tell you, um, unless we can get in and start to deal with this stuff long term, it really does make it very, very difficult to actually come in and just do a good job to clean house. You know, Trump being in is only one person. We have the BlackRock chief. Now, what? here's what I don't get. Trump puts BlackRock in charge of the Treasury back when he comes into power. He puts him in charge. You got the BlackRock chief going to the WEF, and he says that Trump's reelection poses a fundamental threat to Europe. Are you out of your mind? Here you're one of the richest guys in the world, and you're getting on a global stage, and you're saying Trump is is posing a fundamental threat to Europe? A a part of the planet that is imploding it's deindustrializing, high interest rates your immigration's out of control you have crime is at an all-time high you you can't even get food barely you can't even get fuel to keep yourself warm and trump's the guy that's the the major threat here the elites of europe can't even manage the freaking the freaking continent man and you're supposed to be some smart guy Working with a big firm that owns all of this stuff. And you're so stupid, you can't even see that the threat to Europe is the European elite itself. Again, where do you come up with this? Where do we get these idiots running the planet? Are they are they really that blinded by their own ideology? Are they really this stupid? See, there, there's a case that, yeah, they really are this stupid. They really believe in their little agenda. And if you think, no, Fetch, look at the people that believed in the vaccine, man, and still do. They're still out there getting vaccinated. Oh, boy, I need another booster. I was I was around 15 people that weren't vaccinated today, and they're all healthy. I need to get boosted. Maybe they pose a threat to me. Yeah, those people are out there. They are that... They are that... Uh, uh, what do you say? Um, insane, I guess. They're that vested in their fairy tale. Close things up. There was a case this week where the FBI arrested a transgender. Supposed to be a would-be shooter threatening to kill transphobes. Okay? Now get this correct. Again, this is this is the FBI, how stupid these people are equally. You got a transgender, you're gonna go out and shoot transphobes, and the FBI cites alt-right extremism. Really? I mean, really. Alt-right again, one more time. A radical transgender gunman is threatening to go out in a blaze of glory by shooting a bunch of transphobes, which means normal people. And the FBI is going to call it alt-right extremism. How many transgender alt-right people did you know? I don't know about you, but most trans, most alt-right people I know are younger, uh, more family-oriented, more traditional-oriented. That's the ones I know. Maybe you know different. Hardly something that you would call extremist. 
And then you just have to question then, how the hell can the FBI even function when they can't even identify something so simple? And the last story is John Kerry. He's been getting hammered in Davos. Uh, everywhere he went, getting tough questions asked of him, he has now resigned. That's right. John Kerry has formally resigned as Biden's climate czar. I guess he got a little bit miffed. It was getting too difficult for him to sell the bullshit that he was selling. Uh, what an embarrassment, frankly, to be a climate czar. You're just living a great lie, being a giant grift. Here you are, wealthy, flying around in all these private aircraft, and you are going to be selling... Um, Everybody else to hunker down, live in a mud hut, don't have any lights. So anyways, he resigned again as the role of President Joe Biden, so-called climate czar. And uh, that happened this past week. So we need a new climate czar, guys. Maybe somebody out there can put in an uh, application to become the climate czar. All right, that's the show. Apologize for some of the technical stuff, but we got through it. It's the Fetch inside the online. See you next week. Good night, everybody. 